Ready, Dave? I get it. Guess what I'm doing? See the consolation. I am Jordan Cooper, and I'm trying my best here, people. <laughs> and this is Dave Fox. Hi. And this is Don't Let's... <laughs> Not so quick on the draw there. This is Don't Let's Start, a <laughs> podcast about if you were in an Old West shootout. The guy would just... Oh, yeah. You'd just be like, oh, me? <laughs> <laughs> Knew I forgot something. This is Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants... Um, where should the colons be in our title? It's a little confusing. I thought colons go inside your body. <laughs> this, yeah. is, this is why we took so much time um, off. We're just going to jump right into it. This is Apollo 18 part four. That's not too bad. Not too shabby. And uh, we are we are going to discuss, coincidentally, four songs of Apollo 18. This is pre-planned nice. already. I already know that. Unless it goes really long. <laughs> three songs got it. Could be two. And th- we're in the latter half of the album. I'd say the the side two of the album. And that is kind of a little hint at something coming up. All you TMBG uh, super nerds mm. know what I'm talking about. I think I know your scion. <laughs> super scion. So, okay. So, wow. Last time we talked about Hall of Heads. And you, do you know what song comes after Hall of Heads? Which describes how you're feeling. That's right. Which describes how you're feeling all the time Which describes how you're feeling all the feeling all the time There's this guy in the sky and he makes you want to want to make you sigh Like the time when you... Which describes how you're feeling Uh, parentheses all the time (laughs) They should have done that Safe to say this is a song about depression, right? Okay, I thought the same thing when I was going over the lyrics uh, a month ago. <laughs> I had a whole thing and uh, it left me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I actually thought the same thing, uh, which surprised me because I didn't... They seem so happy. Yeah, well, I, I I, guess I used to think... So, okay, let's... Well, this is sort of like a Letterboxd-esque, mm-hmm. you know, madcap <laughs> song of you know, riddles and uh, wordplay and... Cylindrical? Sure. <laughs> What's well, that other word we used? Oh, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it kind of comes back around. Yeah. yeah it's What's that word? Cyclical. No, that wasn't it. <laughs> Sinister. Yeah. <laughs> this is this is a challenging song. Bother me the whole episode. And, and I think, you know, this. it is funny because we, we did talk about the demo of this song several episodes back in our then the earlier years episodes. Those That's are good right. episodes, guys. Check, Check them out. out. While Linnell's lyrics on Apollo 18 are pretty out there, pretty complex, this just has the feel of an 80s Linnell song mm-hmm. in the lyrics, especially early, mid-80s, early 80s, because it's it's even more kind of batshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty, like, it's pretty, you know, over the top and in, in, in how limericky, like limerick from another yeah. another galaxy kind of. And it's dense. Yeah, it's it's dense. It's that vocal dexterity we talk about with him. That too, yes. A lot of syllables. Well, I guess I'll, I'll just say, like, as a song, I've always... Really love this song. I'm kind of a sucker for the little short, crazy Linnell songs. Mm-hmm. The the little short, super maybe uh, is deep is deep a good word. Just the super like dense, yeah, maybe dense, mm-hmm. <laughs> dense and deep are kind of similar. Though it's funny if you call someone dense, that means they're dumb. <laughs> but if you call someone deep, that means they're like a genius. That's one to grow on. We should do. A, we should have a podcast called Dense or Deep, <laughs> Deeper Dense. Anyway, yeah, um, I'm a sucker for these kinds of Linnell songs. I I love. Fast rhyming, 
you know, confusing lyrics. Double timing. Double timing. <laughs> I just love when that comes up on an album, you know, where it's like, this is not a single, this is not whatever, but it's just like, it's kind of in a way, it's like what Linnell does best in a way. Like sleep or something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. Like sleep. A little quick shot that makes you go, wow. Yeah, exactly. And, how and the also, how do you do that? As much as Linnell and Flansburg's songwriting are similar, I think these four songs we're going to talk about really emphasize how different the two of them are, mm-hmm. actually. And like this is the kind of thing where I don't think Flansburg could or wants to write a, a song like this, you know, even though Flansburg has his share of, of complex mm-hmm. lyrics. So, yeah, I don't think um, Flansburg w- would write something like this. And I don't think Linnell would write something like the next song, which is a Flansburg song. Sure. And, yeah. and so on and so on for the other songs. So you're saying they write like themselves. They write like themselves, but they, it all fits And sometimes together. they don't. <laughs> Yeah, basically. Well, I'm glad we have this podcast. Dave, what do, what do you think of which describes how you're feeling? What describes how you feel about this song? <laughs> well, we have to mention that this is a different arrangement musically than the demo. On yeah. the demo. Yeah, uh, we held our tongues a bit when we talked about the demo because I'm like, we're going to get to that later. And it's funny because it, like, oh, shit. <laughs> it gives really <laughs> two different feels to it, even though the lyrics are the same. Mm, I never thought about that. Uh, well, you should. And I'm still never going <laughs> to think about it. Yeah, because I, I think, I don't know, with like the kind of carnival music sound of the uh, organ, yeah. it kind of puts the uh, the lyrics in a very different context. Well, that's true. That is very different than an acoustic guitar. Yeah, which has and the, the marching drum kind of stilted feel of the demo. And the vocals in the demo have a low octave where it's like, which describes, yeah. which kind of goes with the depression thing where it's like the sure. mopey, <laughs> it's kind of like an Eeyore mopey thing, right? Yeah, so I don't know why this was sort of redone in a different way and, and put in a on an album I proper. wonder that too, because it's it's not like they're short of songs. Sure. So it must have been an impulse, like, I really want this on an album, finally, kind of thing, right? Yeah. And I, I don't know if this even necessarily fits thematically with the other songs on Apollo 18. I agree, actually. Yeah. I mean, it does because I'm so used to it. Yes. You know, but if you isolate it just as its own thing, it, it's not really sciency or animals or space <laughs> yeah. or even no. relationships, which is sort of... You know, the, That's the, the Flansburg, Flansburg addition to it. Right. <laughs> yeah. 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 Which um, I want to talk a lot about. So it, it is kind of an odd one-off. I mean, it's great. Like I said, I, I read it as someone that's depressed. Um, we could go line by line because it is very dense, but it is almost like reality coming into the album. Just like hmm. a little a little peak of it and then back to like the, you know, space themes. Yeah, that's interesting. I could see that. And the more atmospheric kind of dream stuff. Yeah. Well, because there's no lions waving goodbye in this song, <laughs> folks. I see what you mean, but it's funny because I've always thought of these lyrics as particularly surreal. And, yeah. And, but maybe they're just, they're surreal in the sense that you have to do a lot of work. And yeah, I, I also, in terms of the music, I love the music. It's funny because when you, when a band is going to redo a song and finally, I don't know, get it right or whatever. The official version of it. Yeah. It's like, it's not like they went all out. It's basically, it's pretty stripped down. It's just like, a, it's yeah. like some organs, some little synths. It's not like they it is fairly did some yeah. crazy new thing to it. So it's interesting why. Especially like compared to the bigger productions on the album, for sure. Yeah. Like, yeah. The guitar, you know, palindrome. Yeah. So, which describes how you're feeling. He doesn't say how the the person, the narrator yeah. is speaking to is feeling, unless he's speaking to himself, by the way, I or think herself. He is. Yeah. I mean, a lot of people are like, what's the feeling? And yeah. I guess we're assuming it's bad because it's, they might be giants. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a good feeling. There's a couple of clues that it may not be a great feeling. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. 
Okay. There's a guy in the sky. Now, who is this guy, Dave? <laughs> he wants to make you sigh. He Sighing's not a great feeling. That's true, unless it's a... A sigh of relief. Or orgasmic. <laughs> or that, yeah. I went like five minutes without talking about orgasms. I guess it could be a good sigh. Like, huh, that that man of mine. I don't know what yeah, I'm talking I, about. Yeah, I, I agree with, with your original assessment. It, it seems, it doesn't, it doesn't give the feeling, a good feeling to me when someone says make, someone's going to make you sigh. And guy in the sky, I mean, it's got to be God. <laughs> he's the I main, he's the main guy. Zeus? <laughs> yeah. I think it's safe to say. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny though, because it's like, is it, is it God or is it just kind of like a disembodied you know, I think of Left My Body, which my yeah. my interpretation of that song is it's about depression, mm-hmm. newsflash. And that's kind of a I similar know. idea is that he's, you're disassociating from your body. You're kind of looking at the scene from, it's like an astral projection thing. Sure. You're kind of looking at yourself from an, a, another point of view, which actually goes with the idea that maybe the guy is him. He's, well, even if it's not about God uh, by a strict definition, mm-hmm. um, some... Something outside of yourself. A presence. It, yeah, exactly. A bigger feeling. Yes. Um, so, okay. <laughs> I don't think we figured anything out. But uh, wants to make you sigh like time when you felt like you're feeling all the time. Okay. See, this this is like Letterbox where I had to, cause I, you know, I, <laughs> because I, I put Letterbox up on our YouTube page a while back and I was like, man, we really, it's like we- Fuck that one up. We really have to like pick apart each line word by yeah. word because it's so tongue twistery. That's how well-crafted they are. There's a guy. They being the songs. Yeah. There's a guy in the sky and he makes you want to sigh like the time when you felt like you're feeling. So he's like kind of going back in time now. Yeah. Like it's sort of saying you always feel like this. You exactly. Felt, you, felt like this, yeah. you felt like this then. You feel like this now. No so. escape. Exactly. Okay. And you sighed. This, again. This is the big one. You sighed at the cracks in the ceiling all the time. You sighing again. So That can't be good. So yeah, well, we can talk about that. That's like a clear image, right? Sighing at the cracks in the ceiling. I mean, look, Dave, look behind you at my ceiling. We, got a lot of cracks. <laughs> we've got these. We actually will, will Kristen patch them up, as you can see. Not that they look super. What a handyman. A lot better. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's the, she wears the pants. Yeah. But we for a while, and, and sort of still, I, I've got these cracks over my bed. And, you know, it's like the first thing when you wake up, it's just like you see this yeah. the ceiling coming down on you. Yeah. And, and it did happen. Paint pieces fell on my head once. If you're staring at the cracks in the ceiling, your life is not going great. <laughs> yeah, that's true. As opposed to like staring at like a chandelier on your <laughs> ceiling, which is like, I'm in, I'm doing great. Yeah. Or, you know, it also implies that you're just like lying in bed too much. Yeah. So, or on the floor. Yeah. Which, yeah. Linnell has a lot of lyrics where he's like lying around, yeah. <laughs> looking, climbing the walls, looking at the sure. ceiling. I relate. Being on the floor, being in the gutter, <laughs> Thunderbird or whatever. Um, yeah. There's a lot of that. It is fun to lie on the floor. I know. Oh, that, it's a blast. I know this sounds like a warning sign for me but sometimes I'll, i will just lie on our like carpet in the living room and just be like this is kind of fun that's because <laughs> you're not supposed to be there so it's weird <laughs> all right you know it's a sex thing no yeah. <laughs> this reminds the narrator of the time that him or someone else how they felt when they sighed at cracks in the ceiling which is probably yeah. miserable right you said i'm feeling fine this is probably your key yeah, line right? i love this line but it didn't really rhyme it didn't rhyme overseas. Okay, let's... So before we get to overseas, yeah. <laughs> yeah I, I interpret the, it didn't really rhyme, meaning like it didn't stick with your narrative yes. of this is kind of how I feel all the time. I do think there's another thread in this song of like, it's sort of like not about taking responsibility for how you feel also. Whoa. And that you can maybe change your outlook 
Because he's saying, like, I'm feeling fine, uh, but that doesn't line up with, you know, what you usually do. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, first you have to admit that you're not feeling fine. Okay. I will. All right. <laughs> Me? <laughs> and then you can, then the healing can start, if that makes any sense. Well, yeah, he's saying someone is, they're putting on a happy face. Yeah, if you say you're feeling fine and you clearly don't, how are you ever going to get better? Yeah, I mean, it always reminds me of small talk. Like when I run into someone, they're like, hey, how's it going? And if it's like a really bad month <laughs> or whatever time in my life, it's like, what do you say? Because sometimes I'm like, sure. I'm well, really. Normal humans just say fine. Yes, I know, but yeah. I'm really bad at bullshitting people and I'm too hard on my sleeve. So I've had a lot of experience, whether it's at work or at an event or whatever, like a comic convention. If someone's like, hey, how's it going? I kind of do like a. Oh, you know. <laughs> well, you can split the Say, difference. You know, I yeah. feel like that just means like, you know. Well, you asked, you asked me when I came in and I was like, oh, you know, good days and bad. Yeah. I mean, look, that's I, I know. I, I think you're similar to me. Like, I, I really hate putting on a fake small talk thing with someone. But in the same very, sense, it hurts my my insides to do that. I don't think you should bullshit people, but I also think you should try to put on your best face, yeah. too. So you don't have to immediately launch into what was me. Fake it till you make you it. You know? It also depends how well you know the person. I mean, you don't see for just, me. It's just, it doesn't matter. The the world is your uh, it could be co- like, complaint box. It could be a convenience store. I could be buying gum, and and the guy's like, "How's it going?" And I go, "Uh, gotcha." <laughs> so he, you said I'm feeling fine, but I like your didn't really rhyme point, and yeah. I think that's something we should just stick to a, a second, which is that sort of like with Anna Ng saying, "Saw something on a bridge." He's kind of tricking you with like, is this? You know, you see the word rhyme and you think he's talking about the song itself or or songs in general, but it's almost like a trick. It's like, no, like he might (laughs) mean a different thing, which is that he's using the word rhyme in a a more uh, open sense, not in just a song sense, but in the idea of like, it's sort of like, hey, your smile doesn't match your face or whatever. What's (laughs) when people say like, oh, tell your face if someone's like, how's it going? And you're like, fine. And you're like, Tell your face. Wow, jerk. I've never heard that. Yeah, you never do, heard that. Do people say that too. It's a lot? kind of like a tough guy thing. I've seen it in like tell TV. it to my ass. I've seen it in like movies. Someone's just like, oh, tell that to your face. You know, I like so, that. Yeah, that, that's going to be your new thing. I can just tell. <laughs> so yes. So okay. Um, we're doing good. We're, we're doing, doing good. good. We almost have the whole first verse done, and there's only two verses. So it didn't rhyme overseas. What you can you seem like you have an idea about this. I have a vague idea. Well, yeah, I like that overseas can have a double meaning. Like over the Overse- water yeah. and someone looking over you. Overseeing. Yeah. I, I actually, this, that was my vague idea, which is like, is it yeah. a pun on overseeing everything? Or yeah. Someone like this narrator is kind it's of seeing, the, force. he's seeing the whole picture of this guy. Right. And not just this guy, but like the universe, because he sees God <laughs> in the sky. Could be, you know, who could be the one overseeing everything? The therapist. That's my theory. Oh, really? Oh, interesting. You think mm. this is a guy on a couch? Yeah. I do. When you felt like you're feeling all the time And you sighed at the cracks in the ceiling all the time You said, I'm feeling fine, but it didn't really rhyme It didn't rhyme overseas, which describes how you're feeling I like that we go from Linnell's midi extravaganza Mm -hmm. to these, when we do the kind of, um, I don't know what the musical term would be, and it's still the verse, but it's like the B section of the Mm -hmm. verse. Then you just have Flansburg guitar, like... The halting chords. Yeah, the... You said, damn, I'm feeling fine. It's a good contrast because you really, this song is really split between like Linnell part, Flansburg part, Linnell part, which is interesting. Before we even get to the bridge, what do you you make (laughs) of, it didn't rhyme overseas, 
It's a really confusing way to put that. Yeah, so this is funny. There there used to be threads among the fans on the old news group and stuff about like what word, they thought it meant a word that rhymes with overseas. So it's because later in the yeah. song, it says it doesn't rhyme with the word overseas. So people were like, oh, does it mean displeased or unease, right? Uh, so they were actually trying, they were try- kind of treating it like a riddle, like a multiple choice. Like, is it a word that rhymes with overseas? That might be the case, but I don't know, though. And and I sort of think it doesn't because I, I do believe them when they say our songs don't have hidden meanings. Like, I don't think there's a hidden word mm-hmm. that he's referring to, but I realize this conversation is getting very abstract. <laughs> but, um, hey, man, just go with it. Oh, do you like that cup? Do you think it's funny? <laughs> Dave's drinking from a cup my girlfriend got that's funny. It says back and body hurts. <laughs> Yep. My back and body do hurt, so yeah, everyone do does. Like that's it. why that cup exists. Um, There's a market for it. Yeah. Well, so what was your question about overseas? Why, why is it phrased that way? Why is it a, a, a pentameter that way? What the fuck is that word? It didn't rhyme overseas. It's weird. Yeah. It's it's a little strange. It's like grammar. the word is blending into the other. Yeah, word. I totally understand. Yeah, it didn't rhyme. Yeah, because here he's saying, <laughs> I guess that if you want to take it super literally, be like somewhere overseas. Your sentence didn't rhyme with something. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, what? What? What is this crazy band? This hilarious, this goofy band. Um, well, maybe we should put a pin on it. On it? Yeah. <laughs> In it. So, um, yeah, if you put a pin on top of something, it doesn't do much. It just falls <laughs> off. Okay, so the bridge, we've got these these backward vocals. We can actually, we have a very brief word from Ed, uh, Ed Douglas, who was the second engineer on Apollo 18. He has been joining us throughout all of these episodes. If you're just tuning in for this one, check out all the other ones. He was there, he was present, Mm -hmm. and he had this to say about, which describes how you're feeling. Let me re-listen. Probably all, all the organs and stuff were probably sequenced. Really only vocals were recorded for it then, right? Yeah, pretty pretty much. I mean, those vocals were recorded. The, the, you know that the Linnell's doing the uh, the fake backwards vocal again on this one. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Yeah, again, you couldn't do it with digital. So he, once again, Ed, um, he he, as we talked about with Dinner Bell, which had backwards sounding vocals. I feel like this is going to be a contentious issue among some fans. But um, mm-hmm. the bridge for which describes how you're feeling has the kind of. It sounds like reversed audio Mm -hmm. where he goes like fading in. But the thing is, look, you could fake it. Like I just faked it. Oh my God. Are you in reverse? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it, you know, he, he's implying that they couldn't do that Mm -hmm. um, with, the way digital tape was mm-hmm. at the time. I, I still don't know. I, I am agnostic to this issue. <laughs> it is interesting, though, that they kept the backwards motif from the demo right. bridge to this bridge, because in the demo, as we, we we discussed, there's a funny little goofy message. Right. I like that it's different, because I, I, I think we talked about it. I think it is a little too jokey to mm-hmm. do a, a funny joke backwards message, you know? Right. Um, but they kept the spirit of the backwards message. Yeah. With more backwards stuff. That's right. That's right. It's interesting. It's interesting continuity. But yeah, it's a pretty simple bridge, but it's it's then it gives a little it gives like a breathing space in, yeah, a, exactly. in a really frantic, like what the fuck kind of song, you know? Makes you think about the previous verse for a moment and and it prepares you for the second verse. Which describes how you're feeling all the time. When 
and you lie that your life's unappealing all the time, but your lie doesn't rhyme with the word overseas, overseas. There's this guy. And that second verse says, "Oh my God!" Well, you, which you, you describes start- how you're feeling all the time. I like this line a lot too. When you lie that your life's unappealing all the time, I think again that goes with the depression. I had to read that like five times. Motif. Because <laughs> there's a lot of double, there's like a double negative there. So he's lying. See, I just see that as someone that's stuck in a negative In a funk? Loop. The yeah. bad The bad kind of funk. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in a rut. You know, white funk. <laughs> <laughs> um, if someone's assuming that someone's lying, and by the way, this could be an unreliable narrator too. Right. Like we don't know if they're... And also we both don't know what we're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's a that key there. point. Trapdoor. It's sort of when someone you know is, is complaining a lot and being like, oh, everything sucks. And you're just like, oh, like, look at you, you know, you're, you got all this great stuff and it's not, una- your life isn't right. unappealing. Which is in contrast to the first verse um, yes. where they're saying you're feeling, <laughs> feeling fine. What the, what? what? But I, I can read both of those as not the greatest ways to, you know, deal with mental health, I think. Mm. You, you need a balance between the two. Don't, don't lie about your feelings and then also don't have this martyr complex where yeah. you think everything is constantly going I, wrong. I think about, I'm saying this to myself right now, everybody. Oh, so, sure. so don't get too defensive well, out there I, I think in radio I, land, yeah. you sons of bitches. I think about this a lot because there's a lot of, um, depending on who you talk to, there's a lot of... It's either me or... <laughs> <laughs> those are the two people I talk yeah. to. There, <laughs> there's a lot of talk about like, oh, it's bad to bottle up your feelings. It's bad to be like ma- like the masculine thing of like, I'm feeling fine, right? Um, but mm-hmm. I also think it's bad to go the other extreme, which I see a lot, especially in the past yeah. several years. A lot of bitching and moaning. Well, just a lot of like, <laughs> a lot of stuff about like, I have anxiety all the time. I'm going to talk about my anxiety all the time. Anxiety, anxiety, anxiety. Right. And I'm like, look, I have anxiety. Um, I've, I'm famous for it. <laughs> I'm, I'm anxious right <laughs> in, now. In three states. But the thing is, if you just obsess over it and it's all you talk about, you're never going to get any headway. Sometimes you do have to just put it aside a little, you know, well, just put balance, it aside. You know? Yeah. There's a time so and a place. I really do see both sides of it. It's it's not good to just be like, everything's great, everything's great when you're not solving problems for the, uh, that you're, sure. you have. But it's also not good to just, it's not good to be a mope. You got a <laughs> mopey mope. Hey, a mope. Yeah, it's Joe Pesci hour. Yeah. It is good to also be like, okay, well, what what do I got going for me? What do I, what's bad? What's good? It's good to just be balanced, I guess, but that's hard. It's hard. I'm not saying it's easy, by the way. I, re- I read something once a long time ago that stuck with me. Depressed people need a hug and a kick in the ass. No one's going to do your job for you. You got to do your own Damn shit. <laughs> you got to do your, th- you got to. Yeah. No, it's work. But you know what? That's the best work you'll ever do. Yeah. So let's let's let's, Hi, everyone. <laughs> let's zero in. Okay, you lie that your life. And if you disagree, tell us. Write in. No, don't. Um, <laughs> when you lie that your life's unappealing all the time, but your lie doesn't. See. Okay. See. Yes. Again. Okay. You explain this to me. That you, your, you your lie lead. doesn't rhyme. So again, it's not lining up. You're not being honest with that. Your life isn't terrible all the time. Mm-hmm. That's the narrative. You know. Again, the negative self loop that you're playing in yeah. your head, so that you have an excuse to feel bad. Yes, and some and it's funny. People don't. I don't know if people talk about this enough. Like sometimes it it does feel good to be like I'm depressed, I'm anxious. Yep. It sometimes feels good to say those things, 
because, and not because they're not true. Mm-hmm. I have to say in my life, the times I've been anxious, it's been a relief to just say to someone, hey, I'm really anxious right now, <laughs> or I'm really stressed, you know, but at the same time, um, don't start saying it when you're maybe not. There are ways that a mindset can become a creation oh, that wasn't there in the first place. Well, I also think it's the familiar, you know, even if yeah, something is- I get, I understand anxiety. Yeah. Even if something is, is horrible, if you're used to it, you'd rather gravitate towards that. Yes. You'd be content and comfortable in your suffering because it's better, you know, real growth, real change is, is scary. There's a, a line from a... I know everything. Wow. I sound so... <laughs> <laughs> your lie doesn't rhyme with the word overseas, but then he contextualizes the word overseas because then he says overseas, there's this guy. Yeah. So is he using overseas to mean like in the, because the sky is over the sea, right? Mm-hmm. So is, is this the same guy from the sky? Let's say God. I don't know. Just for all intents and Intense. purposes. <laughs> Intensive yeah. purposes. Um, so is, is, is this a pun? Is this like a triple pun? Because there's the word overseeing, which yeah. God would do to, to all of us, all of his little children. He's a little pervert. <laughs> his little perverts. What? He's watching us all the time. Oh, he's the pervert. Okay. I thought he was like, God created the pervert. Well, he did. On day six. (laughs) The pervert and the monk. (laughs) Frolicking is one. favorite Aesop's fable. Yeah. Um, The pervert. That's a good name for our Uh, show. The pervert and the monk. And who's who? Exactly. Um, I I think we know who's who. I think we know too. So this is like a triple pun possibly. And I'm saying possibly because this is a really confusing song. So like it is true that the sky is over the sea. So he's saying overseas, there's a sky. But That's he could mean that there's some guy in, I don't know, France. <laughs> right. He's going like, oh, you are not depressed. <laughs> That's almost, I can't do That's accents, Russian. people. Yeah. <laughs> you, listen, don't actually don't. Don't listen. Um, yeah. Or is it like, you I'm know, bad at accents. Sigmund Freud, you know, in Vienna or something? Yeah, maybe it is. <laughs> So, Probably not. so let's, okay, we're almost, we're almost to the halfway point of verse two. Overseas, there's this guy who describes how you're feeling all the time. So why is he just, you're, you're, you've, Dave's thrown his hands up. Uh-oh. Knowingly. So it's all on me. <laughs> Confidently. Oh, oh, okay. So what? That, that's the therapist. That's what I think. Oh, okay. So there's this guy. This guy you describes think how you're feeling all the time. he's Skyping into an overseas well, therapist. <laughs> he's doing a Zoom. Especially the next line too. In his mind, he can find how you're feeling all the time. I mean, that's, you know. That's a therapist to me, buddy. That's really interesting. I can possibly buy that. Another explanation, too, is just he's talking to himself and his better self is, you know, knows how he's really feeling all the time or a friend, you know. Yeah, yeah. There's I, a lot of different ways to look at it. Or like the God thing where, because some, right. for some people, God is more just like you're the part of yourself that's very spiritual. It's like, that's God. And so it's like, maybe it is himself who's overseas and he's... Yeah, your higher self. Yeah, there's like a, there's a, an aspect of him that understands himself better than he does. This is a really consciously or subconsciously this is a crazy first segment of yeah. our episode. I told you I had a lot to say about this one. Yeah. It really spoke to me. In his mind, he can find how you're feeling all the time. From okay, here, help me with this, Dave. From behind distant lines, even straighter than his spine. All right, call this a stretch. Also, Letterbox had the spine stuff. He throws in a spine yeah. when he wants to make the song extra confusing, and that's my <laughs> or a whole album. Yeah, exactly. He likes spines, folks. Well, this may be a stretch, but I saw the from behind distant lines as like a pad of paper and the therapist writing down. Oh, wow. Stuff on lines. That's really interesting. Yeah. I know I keep saying that. That's because I'm, well, I'm an interesting guy. That's from, why you asked me to do this with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
from behind distant lines. See, I, my stupid imagination just I'm sees, not saying I'm right. You just sees be. like a Tron verse where there's like <laughs> lines going into the horizon. <laughs> it's like Or like, you know, lines writing out a prescription. Yes. Yes, he's renewing his prescription. <laughs> or, um this maybe, is a theme. I mean maybe he's doing lines of Coke. I don't know. Yeah, or telephone maybe lines. Maybe he's online for Metallica. <laughs> Let me let me be profoundly stupid. <laughs> Even straight. Okay, well, so these lines. So he. Okay, let, we see with this song you have to keep backtracking. <laughs> so to to backtrack. So in his mind he 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 gets how you're feeling from behind, and he's behind distant lines that are straighter than his spine. Why is his spine not straight? I guess is the question. Is that a is that a is that a, a maybe an ominous thing? Someone who's like, you know, like all curled up and you know, do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Well, they do say the first step to feeling better is to stand up straight. You stand know? up straight, yeah. Have I, some confidence. Puff your chest out. <laughs> or it could be the one who's... Put some gel in your hair, yeah, dress like Elvis. <laughs> Put on some sunglasses. You're not far off. Go on a skateboard, yeah. Yeah, play um, double guitars. Um, <laughs> or it could be the therapist is sitting up straight, you know, in his chair. Yes, or he's not... He's saying it's straighter than his spine. So maybe it's... To me, yeah. that implies that the spine isn't straight. But a spine, it, it is... You're, you are right, is that there is a correlation between having a spine and not being afraid, right? That's what that means. Like, oh, get a spine, you stupid afraid guy. <laughs> yeah, you scaredy cat. <laughs> scaredy cat, man. And then which is... Okay, but then what is which is fine, which is fine? Can we got to backtrack a little again, <laughs> right? Because so... It's fine that he's he knows how he's he's feeling from behind lines. Well, I checked out a while ago. Yeah, so I, I I did as much as I could with this one. Let's just guys, how you feel? Yeah, let's well, bring it home, well, Jordan. Well, maybe anyway, yeah, to bring it home, let's zoom out on the whole thing. So I think we we got somewhere with the song, which is that the the two verses he's he's both he, in one verse he's saying he's fine, and the next verse. He's saying he's not fine, and both are not true. Both right. both are not the truth, the whole truth. Maybe now in the last couple of lines, he's finally, or the narrator, whoever it is, is, which is fine, finally coming to terms with the real truth. Yeah, I think saying which is fine, especially twice. I mean, maybe that's just for the song meter, you know, but it might have a meaning to it, which is that he's saying like we we've we've come to some sort of a resolution here. Yeah, I mean, it's simplistic to say, but maybe you know when you when you realize things are not okay and that's okay. Yeah, that's, you can begin to feel okay. I think so. Yeah. You know, it's funny. As with everything, with with every song we talk about, I, I research like crazy. And yeah, I, they ever talk about they this one? never talk. Yeah. yeah, I've got nothing, nothing in my notes about no clips. The yeah, no clips. <laughs> no enlightening clips. <laughs> no clips. I've got nothing about the song. Um, well, then, as far as I'm concerned, I'm right. Exactly. Um, we just, I just want to maybe talk about some of the music. Uh, another little music thing I really love. When the second verse comes in, how this like fake clavinet, I don't know if it, what it is, but it's like a clavinet. It's like, yeah. it's like a very cr crunchy sounding mm -hmm. bass thing comes in. And, and to me, uh, that's like sort of what I love about They Might Be Giants, which is so, it's kind of like a video, video game music. Mm -hmm. It's like super fun, melodic. Uh, it's doing these counter melodies to the main melody. It's it's kind of like that thing that comes in in Particle Man. Remember that there's like that crazy um, harpsichord that comes in in Particle Man that we talked mm -hmm. about. That it kind of people don't really mention much. It ups the ante. Yeah, it's just like you know, it's really nuts. There's this guy who describes how you're feeling all the time. In his mind, he can find how you're feeling all the time from behind distant lines, even straighter than a spine, which is fine, which is fine, and describe. How you're feeling all the time
And the only other thing I wanted to mention is, is I was like looking through their, the song's live history and it's like, they did start playing it live in recent years. And by mm-hmm. recent, I mean like 15 years of them playing. Cause to me, post 2000 is like recent. But um, so I, I thought that that was the premiere of the song is when they started doing these Apollo 18 shows in mm-hmm. like the 2000s, which I played a lot of clips from in our episode so far. But they did play the song in April 93. And I'll, pl- I'll play a clip cause it's just really, I didn't know that they did that. This was mm-hmm. when they were promoting John Henry or be gearing up for John Henry, I could say. So this is like a really random performance and, and we'll end it there and we'll move on. So check it out. And you could see from this intro that they were a little afraid to play this song. Moving on the rocky terrain and into the, uh, the absolute descent now. Which describes how you're feeling all the time. Which describes how you're feeling all the feeling all the time. There's this game. Now, I'm very excited about this, Dave. We're going to talk about track Lucky 13, See the Constellation. This is a personal, special one for me. This, I think, let's get personal. I'm gonna gonna start right with this. I think this is my favorite song on Apollo 18. Ever? Oh. One, one of it's probably in my top like five. They might be giant songs. It's kind of crazy, right? Yeah. Are you shocked? No, it's a good <laughs> well, song. You, you know me. Um, it's also a good song. Yeah, um, it's it's uncharacteristic for them. I, I'd say on a lot of levels, it's pop heaven. It's yeah, um, it's super sad and melancholy melancholy maybe more um this this to me continues flansberg's relationship well, theme yeah. on the album and musically i i'd say so i'll get to that uh, but um on this album you've got a lot of flansberg songs except like all of heads and maybe another one mm-hmm. they're all about a, a woman in his life right? yes, and either sure. a woman leaving his life or a new woman or entering entering and and see the constellation is is in between where he's lo- he's lonely mm-hmm. and, and there is no woman there's no lady on his arm right mm-hmm. and and this song is especially <laughs> when i was uh, 14 15 16 17, 18, 19, when I was alone Keep counting. and uh, wanted a girlfriend and was in junior high, high school, college, and have never been on a date or any of that stuff. And while most of They Might Be Giant songs don't touch on this, uh, when they would touch on that, uh, it would be very special to me because I, I hadn't yet discovered a lot of new bands because most bands have songs about being lonely, mm. but They Might Be Giants don't, not in a direct way like this. So see the constellation immediately was very impactful for me as like, wow, a song 
literally a song to just like zone out to and and literally like the song says in the lyrics like lie down and stare at the sky kind of song where you're you're just thinking about life and you're sad and jordan's been well established to like lying down <laughs> yeah this well it's funny because it is both songs do have this thing in common where you're lying and staring up and you're sad and i don't know if that was on purpose or they just intuitively kept ca- you know caught on to that um, this is going to be a big discussion because there's a lot of reference-heavy things in this song and a lot to talk about. All right, I'll just sit back and relax. Uh, well, no, I, I, Dave, I want to know. Nah, leave me alone. What do you think about See the Constellation? What are you doing here? <laughs> I, you know, I think it's a really fun song musically. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know the lyrics are could be melancholy. I think this is a single, you know? Fuck yeah. Yeah, it's, it's funny about the single thing because uh, it's like... They didn't, they they played this live occasionally and they would often play this live after doing Spin the Dial mm-hmm. in their tour, which I might, I might get into if we do a tour episode about their Apollo teen shows and stuff. But, uh, whenever they played the song live, the audience went fucking nuts. And, and I've got a, yeah. I've got like a good clip here from a recent show where they played it live. Got a lot of energy. You it know? was kind of a surprise when they played it live. Cause it's, it's, you know, it's like a la- later album track. It's not something that's, but then when they do play it live, you just go, holy shit. It's mm-hmm. like one of their best fucking songs. Yeah. And and here's a good, you could hear how into the, the crowd is. A portion of the audience is like, oh, let's tone down the hay so Flansburg can sing. It's very polite. They might be Giants fans are so uh, they're, they're so cognizant of what the band is uh, going through on stage. Kind you hear a, that crowd? Kind of a punky vibe to it too with the haze, right? Yeah, yeah. Though it's funny, they're if you want to be a super judgmental nerd, they're technically wrong about the haze. The, uh, what the let's get into it. What yeah. the sample the sample is not saying hey. Right. I believe the sample is is saying one. One. Yeah. And let's talk about this. Crazy. This is going to be the crux of the discussion because I think in more ways than one, this song is is very inspired by the Ramones mm-hmm. and about and kind not about the Ramones, but in it's it's dipping into that uh, melancholy punky Ramones thing. I don't even know if I said why we're talking about the Ramones, which is the the sample. Let's just talk about the Ramones more. Man. The sample at the front. <laughs> the sample throughout the song is Dee Dee Ramone, and Dee yes. Dee Ramone would count off uh, Ramone songs live, and a few of them are on album tracks. And yes. so here's a here's a silly joke on me: is I spent a long time trying to find the exact sample, and I did. But I didn't know that you could just Google it and that it was very easy to find that on a few websites oh, you silly. Um, where it says. But in case you want to know, the sample is from their song um, Commando from their album Leave Home from 1977. Let's listen to the intro and a Ooh. little bit of Commando, which is kind of like an yeah. anti-war song. Vietnam, you hear that? Ew. So I wasn't 100% sure this because I hadn't Googled it yet, even though I spent like two hours going through all the... I went. So what I did is I, I, I went through every single Ramon song before 92, mm-hmm. uh, which is, you know, they, they didn't make too much stuff after that. But um, went through every Ramon song. 
I took out the ones that had a countdown <laughs> and then I took out further ones that sounded like the constellation one, which, and it ended up being about five songs. And then I, cool. wh- what I did then, what, and this is going to be, <laughs> this is kind of crazy. I made my own version of see the constellation, the mm-hmm. first like 10, 15 seconds. Would you match up the wave? And I matched up the DD sample to see like, does this, is this the one? And I'll play that for you, Dave. So I made this, I made this from commando and from MIDI in my computer. Okay. So yeah, I made that just to be like, is this the one? And I was like, it is the one. It's a good use of your time. <laughs> it's the one. So Dave, I played you the little MIDI See the Constellation that I made yeah. recently for discussion. But I also made a little version of it like 21 years ago or whatever wow. when I was like 15. This is one of the earliest pieces of recording I've ever done. Uh, so check this out. How many of these you got? <laughs> the album that I had written at the time is Jordan Sticks Mike Up His Bum. <laughs> That's wow. what I wrote when I was like 15. And Sounds uh, like a 15-year-old. Yeah, I was a little little naughty boy. So that's it. It's like five seconds. But I made that when I was a kid. I'll allow it. You can see I did the Linnell accordion part pretty pretty accurately and Talented. all that stuff. Yeah. So it's a huge topic to talk about the Ramones, and I have a lot of clips They're pretty stuff. famous. Yeah. Um, so me and Dave are both from like kind of the Forest Hills area of Queens that, you know, Ramones we're, we're near about. Here. Yeah, exactly. Um, the Ramones went to my high school. Yeah. And at the time when I was in high school, no one gave a flying f- fuck. <laughs> and I even wrote, and I might've said this before on the I show. I think you I did. I, I wrote an article in my school newspaper about how everyone uh, had bad musical taste and how no yeah. one even cared that the I'm Ramones sure that made went you there. Yeah, well, no one read the paper. Um, no one could read. But now outside of our high school, the street is renamed... Joey Ramones Way? <laughs> Ramones, no. Joey Ramone Way. What did I say? Joey Ramones Way, which like grammar <laughs> is correct, but it's not usually what people do for street names. <laughs> um, so yeah, they now they renamed it Joey Ramone Way and there's a big mural of the Ramones a block from where we live or a few blocks from where mm-hmm. we live. There's it's really cool mural. Maybe I'll post it on our Twitter at Don't Let's Pod. And then recently in the past few years, the Queens Museum of Art, which is right by the 64 yeah. World's Fair site to tie it to TMVG, they did a big Ramones um, Yes, I saw it. It was thing, fantastic. And me and Dave both saw it separately because I, I have a restraining order against yeah. Dave. But um, it was a great, it was a great uh, exhibit with a lot of uh, memorabilia and yeah. flyers and v- TVs playing stuff and paintings and all about the Ramones. Yeah. And it me and Dave awesome. saw the documentary together too about end of the century about sad, the Ramones. Sad, sad documentary. Really you depressing know? and, and yeah. harsh, brutal. Uh, but it's sort of like, it kind of has to be because the Ramones are, are, are one of those bands where they're kind of brutal lyrics and there's a lot of humor too. But there's a lot of real sadness, and and that to me is why yeah. this, they're like an inspiration for this song. I think. Well, they're also like the perfect example of like implosion <laughs> in a band too. Like, oh yeah, got too famous, didn't maybe didn't want to be, didn't get along with each other, didn't know how to do anything else but be in a band. Yes, uh, there's a lot going there. So, a lot of pathos. <laughs> so I want to talk more about the Ramones' like influence on they might be giants. Well, you came to the right place. 
It's your podcast. My bedroom, yeah. Growing up in New York, were the, uh, the Ramones like gods to you guys? Well, we grew up in outside of Boston, actually, but... Uh, Why did um, I think we, you were the from New York? Started, the band started in Brooklyn. We started doing our shows in, in the I, early I was born in New York, but, but... I was born in Boston. But they just started right after I left, and they were done being a local band in New York right when we got back to New York. Uh -huh. So it was kind of a Ramones-free zone. But, I mean, they were a big part of our teen year. I mean, they were definitely, like... It was interesting, because they wore this uniform, but it was like a street clothes uniform. It was sort of like... You know, there's something about them. I mean, when we were earlier, earlier in our teens, like Glitter Rock kind of made it impossible to think of yourself as somebody who could be in a band, you know? Like there's something about Gary Glitter that's kind of untouchable, you know? Or maybe you just don't want to touch it. But, uh, you know, I think the, the Ramones, <laughs> I mean, you know, we liked, you know, David Bowie and all these other bands, but there's something officially rock starish about them. So when like the whole punk thing came along, it seemed more like, more accessible to just start your own kind of band. Right. The Ramones, I don't know, they were, it was a different thing. You know, it was a different kind of... Not everyone can wear those glitter clothes. No, no, no. But everyone can dress like a Ramone. And exactly. it's, a, it's like a timeless look that, that you could wear today and still be cool. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this isn't just for They Might Be Giants. I think for a lot of people, the Ramones made people feel like, oh, I could I could jam with sure. my friends. Mm. And do music. That's what punk did. Yeah, that's like the punk thing. And the Ramones are like on mm. the, the start of that, I believe. Yeah, play a couple chords and, you know, talk about your feelings or Though it's talk funny. honestly and you could be a musician. Yeah. Though it's funny, it almost sounds like dismissive when people say that. Oh, they're just playing some some like, simple chords. But like the songs are good. <laughs> like the melodies yeah. are great. And there is, this, you know, and I have I have like most Ramones albums like on my iPod and, and I, I listen, songs come up a lot. And it's like there are some where it's like, oh, it's kind of the same melody as that mm. other song. But a lot of them are, are not like that. A lot of them are just great original and they're super catchy. I remember very vividly when we saw the documentary, one part sticks out in my mind, which is someone was some music expert or whatever yeah. was talking about them. And, and they basically, maybe one of their producers or something, but he was just like, he's like, oh, I, I always thought they were basically the Beach Boys. And I was, I was like, just going to say that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. No, they were hugely influenced by them. Yeah. Just that obsession with melody and uh, catchiness. Yeah. There, there isn't, there's not one Ramon song that isn't catchy. Right. And, and that's, that's something that I strive for too. Like I, I've written songs, like I have one song that Dave played on, Woke Up Dark. And there's a part where it's, the vocals do one note where it's just like, da, 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 da. And I've mm. always been self-conscious, like, ah, oh, there's no melody there. Mm. Is that bad? And you know, and I, I've grown to like it, but, but I, I'm obsessed with like, there's gotta be a melody some every part of the song has to be melodic you know well they really liked pop yeah they yeah. just didn't i guess have enough attitude or you know energy to it it's not so easy with they might be giants to listen to your records and think what were these two guys listening to in high school it's a little it's there's well, not a straight line i mean if you wanted to be super blunt about it you just be like these are a bunch of guys who listened to frank zappa and then punk rock happened well and i suppose the other thing is we were listening to stuff against our will in high school which probably eventually had some kind of influence. Yeah, you know. I mean, sometimes you're responding to things and sometimes you're, like, responding against them. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And I think, like, the, what really spoke to us about the new wave moment was the um, concision, and if that's not a word, I'm, I would like to trademark it, of, of songwriting, the re, sort of the return, like the pub, you know, the pub rock, the Nick Lowe, the Elvis Costello, the... And then in, in the Ramones, in a sense, not the sonics of the Ramones, but the idea of like just having something be a really hard-hitting blast of really graphic music. 
Yeah, hard hitting blast, and and that to me is like mm-hmm. I think see the constellation. It doesn't sound like a Ramon song mm-hmm. mostly, but that uh, that really jumped out to me when we said hard hitting blast. It is kind of like that, like you know, it's it's got that feel to it, and and I think like the Ramones, the other feel to it is the melancholy lyrics, and there's two Ramon songs that jumped out to me that sort of made me think of see the constellation and like to hear this (laughs) just in terms of the lyrics. So I remember you, you know, Mm. that one, it's funny because when you, even when you just see a Ramones title, like the melody, like pops Mm. in, like, I remember, you know, um, it's a song about lying down and thinking about a girl, which to me is what see the constellation is about. So let's check that out. This is the little Ramones tribute area of the (laughs) podcast. I hope everyone enjoys it. So yeah, like it's, you know, the melancholy idea of lying down, thinking about a girl. A lot of like Smith songs are about was the lying one, down. I want to be your boyfriend. N- no, it's I want to be a good boy. Oh, is <laughs> so. Let's listen to I want to be a good boy, which to me evokes see the constellation because it's kind of about. Um, Wanting to leave your town, yeah. which I also want, am going to tie to another song. Because <laughs> and I and I want now I want to be a good boy, which <laughs> I, it's just a funny title, um, but it's also weirdly sad. It's like <laughs> infantilizing right. yourself and like you're not you're not mature yet. It's it's weird. Um, he just says, "I want to run away from home. I want to be on my own." That's basically all the lyrics. And see the <laughs> constellations about like, you know, I moved from my town yeah. and I don't know where I'm. I should be and blah blah blah. Let's check that out a, bit, a little bit. Yeah, I, I realize we're only in the first three seconds of this. Of see the constellation. I, this is, I told you it's going to be a big one. The Ramones and the Amount Giants, like they're they have a long. There's a long history of them kind of referencing the Ramones. They cover the Ramones a bunch of times. There's a clip I have from when they were, they're actually opening for Elvis Costello and they thank the Ramones. So it's funny with Why Does the Sunshine, we're obviously going to talk about that in another episode, but I, I never thought of that being like a Ramones version of that right. song, but the fact that he dedicated that song yeah, to them is, works. is interesting, and the, the drum intro and everything, it is kind of like a Ramones song. A lot of song. downstrokes. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's funny because it, when I first like saw that they might be giants talk about the Ramones all the time, and I think I was a little like snobby because I was like, mm-hmm. "Oh, TMBG lyrics are so much, they're so clever," and I was like, "Oh, Ramones lyrics are so simple." Like it's just saying like, mm-hmm. "I, you know, I want to lie down. I want to sniff some glue." Yeah, they don't want to do a lot of things, so they want to. <laughs> yeah. They want to, and they don't want to do a well, lot. Well, we've of things. talked about because the, the Ramones, the Queen's feeling of the Ramones, is <laughs> super. What relatable. are you talking about? <laughs> Queen's feeling. Because a lot of their songs are about being bored, right? <laughs> yeah. And I remember you talking about this when we saw the documentary or, yeah. some, or some other time. But there's just like there's so many of their songs have this. And again, it's with ties to see the consolation just being like, I don't really like where I live. Sure. There are better things out there, but I'm stuck here, which is a, a, a classic punk thing. Sure. I mean, there's a lot. I, there was a YouTube video I watched that was fun about why is every punk song about leaving your town? <laughs> and <laughs> I think... I think that's why I see the constellation is kind of in that in that genre. And it's funny because the opening riff also references, according to Flansburg, though I couldn't find the source, but I found people talking about the Seth Flansburg said this, references Pleasant Valley Sunday by uh, the Monkees, which is a great song. Mm-hmm. So we could also talk about Pleasant Valley Sunday a bit, and this comes back later too. But so l- let's listen to the opening of Pleasant Valley Sunday because Flansburg said that the guitar riff for See the Constellation, which we all know and love, is a, I think he called it a ripoff of Pleasant Valley mm-hmm. Sunday. Again, I couldn't find the source. I looked for a long time, but I did find people on the news group saying Flansburg said this recently. So anyway. My band name's about being bored in Queens. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Dead on a Friday. We Just wanted to say that. that. No, yeah. Well, it's true. I mean, that's, I think, I see, I think Dead on a Friday, Dave's band and the Ramones also have a lot in common. I'm six foot seven. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So this is the opening to Pleasant Valley Sunday. The local rock group down the street is trying hard to learn their song Serenade the weekend squire just came out to mow his so there's a lot of reference going on because it's it's not just the guitar riff, but it's the way they're like, you know, like it's got this vibe of like, oh, a rock song is starting and mm-hmm. the band, the rest of the band is gearing in, right? Get, getting ready. And then not just that, but the lyrical content of Pleasant Valley Sunday also ties with See the Constellation because Pleasant Valley Sunday is about hating your boring suburban town where everyone's just watching TV and they're not striving for anything creative. Sounds good to me. Or... <laughs> So Pleasant Valley Sunday has a similar thematic thing to see the constellation, which is also kind of when he says move. Honestly, it's just really just one line when he says move from my town. You know, and the city lights mm-hmm. getting in his way, which I sort of see as an idea of like it's stifling, right? It's stifling his creativity, his 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 goals, his dreams. And Pleasant Valley Sunday is is right on top of that. And the fact that the first line of Pleasant Valley Sunday is your local rock group down the street, which could be the Ramones sure. in another universe, is trying hard to learn a song, blah, 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 which I don't see as a bad thing, really. It seems fun, like <laughs> a fun place to, <laughs> to live. But um, so Flansburg is doing, it kind of reminds you of Twisting, where he's... 
he's mixing all these um, bands that he loves and genres and songs into kind of a tapestry about heartbreak. So it is kind of like a sequel to Twisting in a way, right? Or a prequel. (laughs) Uh, I'll buy it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You get what I'm saying. So Flansburg is is blending all these things together. But I think the difference here, and and even maybe more so than Twisting, the reason why it hits me is that it's not just a clever thing, which is something they do all the time. It's not just be Mm -hmm. like, oh, look, look how we're messing with this old song actually turn around does that quite a bit it's all for an emotional thing and it's all for a deep like flansburg has this deep love of of these bands Mm -hmm. you know he loves the monkeys he loves the ramones hugely inspirational so it's it's not just him cleverly referencing it's all it's all part of the sadness of the song and the deep feeling in the song which is why see the constellation is probably my favorite on the album because there's a lot of feeling there which is weird because it's like it's like if I want songs with feeling, why mm-hmm. why do I love They Might Be Giants so much? Anyway, you know, it's like if I'm if I'm singling out the songs that aren't typical for them as my favorites, but I don't know, is that is that w- weird? I think feeling is where you find it. Let's talk about the first line of the song because Flansburg has actually discussed this on the Tumblr. Okay, so people thought it was a Warren Zevon reference uh, because he has a song that also begins with "Laying Your Head on the Rail Tracks." But Flansburg says no. That's why I'm okay. not going. That's why I'm not going to play a clip because oh, he said no. He's this is from he the no. this is from the Tumblr. Let's cut to a clip of me saying what Flansburg said, which is he said the railroad track line was actually directly inspired by an imaginative promotional photo of another Electra artist. And it bothers me. I can't recall the name in the photo smiling. She is blissfully resting across a pair of railroad tracks and the contrary elements of the image really spoke to me. How relaxing can that kind of rest be unless you've given up on everything else? Won't there be a train coming sometime? When? That's a good point. Um, Another big time waster on my part. I spent a long time trying to find that photo. Oh, my God. Did you find it? I did not find it. I did not find the artist who did it. I went through every Electra artist, a female Electra artist from Mm -hmm. that time. And I, I just Google image searched and tried to find interviews and things that would have a publicity photo. And, and you know, I was like, oh, is it Bjork? Is it, yeah, there's a lot of options. You know, there was a lot of like kind of indie ladies mm. who would do a thing like that. Um, email us, <laughs> don't let's start podcast sure. at gmail.com. If you, if you know this photo, if you found it, I would love to see it and post it on our, our Twitter. Um, again, don't let's start podcast at gmail.com and Find the re- possible results at Don't Let's Pod on Twitter. And we'll Twitter, give you a prize. Ooh. Uh, which will be an email saying thank you. Yep. So th- I, I think that's an interesting inspiration. And again, by the way, just thinking of this now, he's he, it's another inspiration from a band, from another mm. musician, right? So this song is just all this musical inspiration. So so let's let's talk. Dave. Let's talk. Maybe you should you should take over for a bit. Uh, if it's, nah, you're doing fine. <laughs> um, let's talk about the first. I got my coffee here. I'm good. First verse, the chorus. What, what do you think of this? Of these lyrics? What do you think of the song? The sound? Everything? By the way, one thing I noticed when I was looking at the lyrics: uh, "Stare at the sky, all painted up." Yeah, interesting turn of phrase. Yeah, isn't that like a, what you say for a lady? When yeah, she's wearing yeah. makeup. Yeah, all well, painted up. He's persona. This this song, he personifies the sky in. More ways, more ways than one. Well, so he sees a lovely lady. He sees the sky as a guy, which is a which describes how you're feeling. <laughs> but he also he seems to be uh, kind of referencing it as a as a woman here, which is very interesting too. Sexy. Yeah, that's why I've never thought of that. Yeah, I, I just saw all painted up as just how he's describing it as like in a general sense, like oh, it's a it's colorful. A, it's a color. Yeah. yeah. No, I just thought of that today. It's like because that's a very specific thing to say. Yeah, look, I I don't think these are. You it's, look. I don't think these are 
these aren't the typical complex TMBG lyrics, but no. they're but they're still damn good, and there's still there is that layer of emotion and, and sadness is what I really respond yeah, to. Paint a picture, yeah, <laughs> um, all painted up. So yeah, your train is gone, won't be coming back. Is just like that's like a country lyric. Yeah, right? it's totally. like he's really d- like diving into these. Not, I don't want to say cliches, but it kind of is in a way. Like laying your head and looking at the laying your head down and looking at the sky is a cliche. The train's always sad. Yeah, trains are not really a good thing. It's like the Smith song. When a train goes by, it's such a sad sound. It's like, why is it sad? It's just because it reminds you of either that you can't leave or that you left somewhere. Or Trains are sad. Boats are goofy. <laughs> yeah. Planes are scary. Scary. <laughs> and, Cars uh, are neutral. Yeah. Cars are a necessity. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. Um, Chaotic good. Yeah. And go-karts are fun. We broke it all down. So then the chorus, um, and by the way, just on a, in a soundscape level, just oh, the guitars, everything yeah. is just so it's awesome. Good production. See the constellation ride across the sky. It's interesting too. I never even like thought a chariot. About that yeah, a chariot of the gods. Ride. I guess the idea that it's riding could be what that could be implying is that he's moving. That the the viewer, the POV guy, is maybe he got hit by the train and he's being dragged. <laughs> he's being dragged across the tracks. Um, no cigar. This is the key line for me, and I'm sure you recognize it too. Of course. No cigar. What am I, a moron? <laughs> <laughs> no cigar, no lady on his arm, just a guy made of dots and lines. That's I just, all there is. I just love that. I love that line. If you want to know what speaks to my heart, what like really, because I'm like, I don't know, not to make it too much about me, but I'm like, I'm a guy just made of dots and lines. Yeah. I've always felt, it's just that feeling of like, no one sees me. It's kind of like feeling invisible or mm-hmm. feeling, almost feeling like you're not whole yet, right? Like you're not you're these kind of disconnected parts. You're not, you're unfulfilled. You don't feel whole, right? And so do you think that line is about him? Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying. Oh, oh you think he's thinking about a friend of his? <laughs> well, it could be his POV because he's saying, see the constellation, right? Oh, oh, well, I was going to get into this a bit later, but t- to me, there's a theme in the song of the sky mirroring. Uh-huh. He, it's like, you're, it's no, like when agree. you look in a pond, like a reflective pool. Yeah. And so to me, there's a th- there's a kind of undercurrent in the song of like, I'm looking at a giant mirror. I'm looking back at myself. Yeah. And, when, and The face of God. Yeah, and it t- ties into what we were saying about the God thing, which is like, he's just, God is him. The world is him. Mm. When you look at something, you're looking at yourself kind of thing, especially this, <laughs> this self-centered generation. You know what I'm talking I know. about? I just wanted to clarify. Yes, yes. For the um, listeners. I will say about the pr- production of the song, I do love it, and I think it's fantastic. But this is one of those songs that I was hinting at a few episodes ago where I'm like, I think with a f- real band, it would have blown it out of the water. Do you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, there's no reason in my mind that these should be fake drums. Fake yeah, it's a rock bass. song. It's just a rock song. And I think the one of the reasons the live versions are so uh, euphoric is because mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit, it's a fucking rock song now. Um I'll say again, I love how it sounds. I think it's great. And I love the drum I love the the drum uh pattern too. And I, I tried to replicate that in my gotcha. m- my MIDI thing. But I mean the drums do sound pretty natural. They're pretty but damn still. good. Yeah, it's pretty but good. But but it just to have that extra layer of soul, like it's a person. Yeah. Um I, I do think this is a good this is a good case for why John Henry had to happen. I agree. 
It's funny because it's, it's a great rock song, but one of the highlights is Linnell's accordion, mm-hmm. which is like interesting choice. I guess not traditionally rock oriented. Yeah, he's using the accordion in kind of um, almost like a Beatles-y, like, oh, there's a weird instrument in this rock song, but it like works really well, you mm-hmm. know? Um, he's doing this counter melody, like this. And and again, um, the reason I was trying to say that the music is melancholy is because it, it has these strange, you know, someone who's more adept at music theory could probably elucidate what I'm saying. But whoa, but, <laughs> but um, stay in your lane. But uh, for me, the, there's something about the chord changes to the song and the root, the notes that the the other instruments are playing. There's a space. It actually sounds spacey and nighttimey. Like this, mm-hmm. the way the song is produced and the chords and stuff, and and what Linnell's doing on accordion, it's got this psychedelic nighttime sad yes, feel. And I don't know if other people hear the way I hear, you know. But to me, this song has always been like one of those perfect matches of lyrics and music. Like one of the best they might be giants have ever done. I think. High praise. Two years ago, from my I really think this is a special, I think this is a really special song. It's, it's really, mm. it's like just one of those, like it nails, every, for me, it nails everything. Except this next part, which <laughs> sucks. Um, yeah, you've also got Linnell's harmonies, you know, which is like a great harmony, uh, go under Flansburg. And I, I also think having it be Linnell and not like a double Flansburg was like, well, there might be double Flansburg also, but I think it's also like really important. Like it, it gives the band feel, it gives the gang feel like there were a bunch of guys doing this song together. You know what I mean? Yeah. We were talking about what determines whether it's going to be a distinct mm-hmm. voice or a doubled voice. Yeah. I think, I think there's a subtle message in the song that determines that. And for, for me, like dinner bell, yeah. you've got a lot of Linnells because I think that song is about being scatterbrained and, right. and having sure. like all these desires and conflicts in your head, you know, but then for this song, I think it's 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 got the band feel. It's about yeah. you know rock. It's about rock music. So you got to have we're the Ramones. Yeah, and and it's also pretty. It's almost stripped down. Like you, it could almost be a four piece doing it. There are some guitar layers, but it's it's kind of got that feel of like okay, Linnell's there on accordion, and he's got a vocal mic, and I'm playing guitar and singing stuff. Right. Yeah. Do you think that no cigar is sort of a pun too on the saying? I've never thought about that, but you're totally right. Because, yeah, the saying is close but no cigar, which means, like, you almost yeah. had it and you will, right. you didn't get it, right? Or you, or, or that, like, you're almost good enough, but yeah. then you're not good enough at, at a thing. And But the cigar also represents, like, you know... Uh, Success. Right. Yeah. Like a fat cat, like and, feeling, feeling like a big shot. And, like, kind of masculine yeah. confidence, you know, yeah. like... Well, it's a penis, so it's phallic. <laughs> well, as George Carlin famously I said, uh, I'll say it, I guess. You can say it. Was it a cigar? a cigar is nothing but a big what was it? A big brown dick. Yeah, a cigar is nothing but a big brown dick. Yeah, I think about that a lot actually. <laughs> Every day when I wake up and before I go to bed. It actually it's funny because I I said, Oh, these lyrics aren't as complicated, but then we're but maybe look, look at are. us now. We've come so far. Though the second verse is very Ramones like to me. Right. Two years ago, moved from my town. I was looking up past the city lights, but the city lights got in my way. And it's funny, yeah, he can't see the constellation in the city. My girlfriend complains about this all the time because she loves looking at the stars. 
Uh, and I don't see the appeal, but okay. Yeah, um, it is weird. I'm sure you've had the experience, is, mm-hmm. you know, like when you get, you're outside the city and you're like, holy yeah. shit, look at the sky. It's full of a bunch of shit. <laughs> I mean, I got over it real quick, but sure. <laughs> no, I'm always, I'm always blown away by it. But I also like the idea that doing that also makes you feel more, more lonely and more like a, a tiny speck in we, the universe. That's all we are. Yeah. Infinitesimal. Not me. <laughs> you're a big speck. I'm you're a big, a big, 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 big shot. speck. But doesn't that give you comfort too, knowing you're a spec? It's just like, ah, it doesn't, you know, you know it's out of my hands. You could go very much either way. <laughs> yeah. it could, it's also terrifying. Sometimes I, when I, because it's almost like an afraid of heights thing. Sometimes I'll look at the stars and I'll get this weird vertigo feel of like, ugh. I, I get the same thing, bro. Yeah, really? I have like almost a fear. It's not agoraphobia because I think that's just mm. like being outside with like the world. Yeah. Um, but like vast stretches of something. Yes. There's a term for it. It's like you can't take it. Your brain can't take it in all at You're once. You're a pussy. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Yeah, um, that's what I couldn't remember. Yeah, anyway, let's cut to Ed Douglas now. He had a bit to say about the Ed a, said about the song. He talked a bit about the tremolo guitar, which I think is really makes the song it's pronounced tremolo. Really on the the one podcast I listened to with Adam Scott and Scott Ackerman, he he constantly says tremolo and it tries. <laughs> Oh, that's funny. He's not trying to be funny. It's insane. Well, I was. Yeah. Anyway, here's Ed to talk about some of how See the Constellation became See the Constellation. Hmm. I mean, obviously, the DD sample part was part of the, the, the sequence parts. Uh-huh. It's funny. I think on this one, the tambourine was sequenced as well. I don't think he played it live. Mm, interesting. It was so dead on with the sequence. It I sounds think. like that, yeah. Yeah. Then they have the, the tremolo guitar in this one. But I think what they did with the tremolo guitar, from what I remember, is they did a... But they, there's a way you can get a, a gate. You can key the gate from a, from something like a, a hi-hat. And I think the guitar was just like he'd play a chord and we'd run it through uh, where he had the sequencer running, triggering the gate so that tr- the, the tremolo guitar would be right in time. Because usually if you have a tremolo, like a pedal, it'd be very hard to get the tremolo to pl- do exactly mm-hmm. in time. So I think they'd use a key gate on this one and hypnotist of ladies to... Uh, Make make the, the tremolo guitar be right in time with the sequence, by 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 triggering it from the sequence, and then it goes. This one also has like a psychedelic section, I think, which yeah. is definitely like tomorrow never knows, revolver type stuff. And do you remember anything about creating that uh, soundscape at the end? Yeah, I think it was just Flans out there just just laying down a bunch of guitar tracks. I mean, a lot of the feedback and stuff was stuff he you know, did. Um, the sitar was not real because I would have remembered. Yeah. Like some, mm. I would remember a sitar player coming in. I I have a quarter <laughs> yeah. sitar player, but not on that session. I mean, I, I think this is probably I know it was either the second or third batch of songs, but it was also you know it had a, had a very good vibe already just from the sequence before they added the guitars. Yeah, so Ed talked about the sitar, which is is fake, but it sounds pretty real. Um, though I remember when I had a I, I have like MIDI sitar, and you can't really tell the difference because the sample. It really just sounds like a, it doesn't, there's no fake sitar sound that, it's not like horns where it really mm-hmm. sounds cheesy. It's like you had to really record a sitar to do a. <laughs> I think I see. Yeah, it's kind of hard to explain. Like I was saying, st- uh, jazz bass sounds really good as MIDI because it just mm-hmm. sounds like a recorded jazz bass. You know, there's certain certain instruments that you could fake really well. Sure. So then we've got the the last verse. Which I love again. I love that all the guitars drop out. It's really atmospheric. This is see. They might be giants. They don't do atmosphere a lot, and uh, but they can do it really well. Mm-hmm. And this is like the prime song for that. I 
found my mind I found my mind on the ground below. So this to me is like he's in the sky looking down. Uh, right? like, to me, the song, he's like ping-ponging up and down. Like, I'm the guy on the ground. I'm the guy in the sky. Now I'm the guy on the ground again. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, I found my mind on the ground below. I was looking down. Yeah. That's why I'm saying it. it was looking back. And then, then he goes back to the sky again. I was in the sky all dressed in black. This to me is like a really interesting verse. He's like going up yeah. and down. And again, it's that reflective pool idea where he's, he's, he's looking at himself in the sky and then the sky version who's maybe, you know, I don't know. Then the sky version <laughs> is, is looking down at him and they're both kind of, you know, they're thinking just about looking at each other. They're just looking at each other. It's a staring contest. Yeah. It's awkward. It's kind of like me and Dave here. We just we'll, we'll <laughs> do that. Um, yeah. Do you have any thoughts? on I this assumed you th- you thought all dressed in black is reminiscent of a funeral. No, I never think okay. that at all. Or Johnny um, Cash. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's interesting. Because well, I'm thinking of the literal. The, well, I'm thinking of the sky, mm. the dotted lines guy in the sky who's in all black. Yeah. But I like that too. The you know dressing in black is is could be a somber occasion. Yeah. It could be a, a wedding. <laughs> true. I mean, it could because the sky could be blue, could be purple, could yeah. be red. That's true. I mean, if you want to get into an argument, or the Ramones dressed in black leather right. jackets, you think it? Oh shit! Oh shit! That sounds smarter, sure. <laughs> Let's talk about the end section of the song, which is, mm-hmm. and and we're going to do a double clip here, uh, back to Pleasant the Valley. The rare double clip. <laughs> back to Pleasant Valley Sunday. So we're going to play a clip of later, because this is clearly a reference to the way Pleasant Valley Sunday ends, which is that it it kind of, and and by the way, it's worth mentioning, the monkeys are as as a concept playing off of the Beatles, but in oh, doing- I didn't know that. <laughs> In doing so, they also innovated themselves right. because if you're copying the most innovative band at the time, you're going to- You get pretty smart. You have to do that, right? <laughs> so so let's play the end of Pleasant Valley Sunday, which is a huge influence for, for this song. And I'll play it for Dave. That's me. Who is musically ignorant. <laughs> So yeah, that, that song ends where the reverb takes over, mm-hmm. kind of sounds like almost like you're in a train going in a tunnel or it's on the, the song. You know is, what those mean. You're leaving, <laughs> you're leaving the song behind you. I want to just give credit though, Pleasant Valley Sunday, it, it is performed by the monkeys, but it's written, of course, by Jerry Goffin and Carol King, who of course. wrote tons of songs. <laughs> um, so the monkeys did write a lot of great songs themselves. I want to put that out Daydream there. Believer? Not that one. Oh. <laughs> just keep naming, not that one, not that one. So the end is, is referencing Pleasant Valley Sunday in a sense. There's a lot going on in this end section, which is going to be a whole other uh, 
to do. Yeah, there's another song. Well, first of all, so I, I also think that, you know, can you hear what I see mm-hmm. in the sky? I, I think that is referencing the way they're going like, Pleasant Valley Sun. Like, it, it really sounds like similar to me, the, the, the quality of the vocals there. Um, <laughs> this is a stupid note, but the way the Didi Ramon uh-huh. sounds at the end, it always sounds like Jack Black to me. Like, Jack Black, Jack Black, <laughs> Jack Black. You're right. That was a stupid probably note. Not, probably wasn't the point there. Oh, so the idea of can you hear what I see in the sky? I don't know if you ought to thought about that. Um, obviously, no. it sounds just kind of like, you know, silly psychedelic lyrics. Right. Where it's, but, That's what I thought. But to me, I, I always kind of thought it was almost backing, uh, it was almost going back to that musical inspiration because he's, he's hearing, it's, can you hear what I see in the sky? It's almost like thinking about the rock bands and he's looking at the sky and, you know, it's mm-hmm. just putting it back to like what you hear to me is important. You know, it's, it's, it is kind of like a little funny psychedelic, like John Lennony yeah. line. But it, I also think like tying things at the end of the song back to like listening, the idea of listening is important. And then, then you're being asked to listen really hard because then there's all this secret weird little things going on in the background which we can t- talk Ever. about now. <laughs> Thank you. I never heard the other song, by the way. Okay, well, let's... Ever. Do you, have you still or no? Or I'll, no, now I do. Okay. Okay. Because I was listening, okay. finally. Well, let's talk about this. So at, as See the Constellation is is ending, and I almost... I hate, to, I hate to see it end, but I love to watch it go. Oh, yeah. Because... Great ass! <laughs> the waveform of Dave blew, blew up the, the, pro, tried, the computer. Tried to back away from the mic. Anyway, to go to go back to the song. So at the end of See the Constellation, as it's fading out, a, a little ditty uh, creeps in at the very end. You say a little ditty? <laughs> yeah. So so first, I'm gonna, this is what I'm going to do. We've got a lot of things to play here. First, I'm going to play the way that the song actually ends. And let's listen to the end of the song. So it's so su- super quiet. And I yeah. remember the, I still remember discovering that on my own. I was like, oh my God. But here's what I did. I, I made it loud and proud so you could hear cool. what, it, what it sounds like. And there's even some little details I never noticed that's just crazy. So, so and we'll get into this what- This is an the, exclusive, folks. Yeah, we'll, we'll get what into this song is. Anyone could really do this, but I took a little time to do this. So here is it unfaded out, okay? They could do it, but should they do it? <laughs> So 
You hear a little. Wow. What this song is, it's called. Side two? Yeah, it's well, so it, it, fans called it Side Two, and it was a song on Dial a Song for a while. But then um, Flansburg recently revealed that the song is called I Miss Side Two, which is, is interesting that it was written back in, in 92 or, or early 90s because now I, we do miss Side Two because there's, oh. no, there's no albums anymore. But there was at the time, maybe because CDs were coming out. Hmm. Was that in the early 90s CDs started to happen, right? Yeah, even before, 92, I think. 80s. So it might Late be about 80s. CDs. Well, we're getting very close to the end of Side One now. I can feel the tension mounting. In fact, in tribute to the fact that there aren't sides anymore on records, we're going to just segue right onto side two after the end of side one. Something you can't do at home with your long playing record, but which you can pay money to see us do live. But like the cassette, there is no lyric sheet. Now, of course, you could write that song about the internet and everyone right. Spotify. So it's called I Miss Side 2. And, and what Flansburg said, he, he said, I think this was on Facebook. Someone randomly asked him on Facebook and he said, I'm guessing it's an unfinished track from that project. I mean, Apollo 18 called I Miss Side 2 that had already been scrubbed by the time the track was being mixed and it was just folded in for psychedelic texture. But just listening to it now, it is so timidly placed. It almost sounds like an accident. I don't think it's an accident. I agree that it, it is timid. It's very low. Yeah, but it's also like it's it it adds a lot because it it's that song. It makes sense because it's a psychedelic ending. Like sure. It's, you know, it's um. So let's listen to side two. Let's listen to the actual song. This will almost be like a segment, a song segment within the segment because we're it's gonna inception. We're gonna t- <laughs> yeah because it sucks. No, we're gonna t- <laughs> hot take. <laughs> we're gonna talk about uh side two, and here it is on dial a song first. This is John and i Jonathan. Thank you for calling our dial song service. Today's song is an instrumental. It's entitled Side 2. It has no words and features only instruments. We hope you like it. Hope it sounds good over your phone. Thank you for calling. Call back anytime. Think of a snake charmer. We were just me and Dave were saying off mic. We had a little chat. It's <laughs> you should have been there, guys. Um, it's really crazy. I we both had never connected the two songs, yeah. even stupidly though when <laughs> when you're so hard on yourself when you <laughs> when you up the volume when you mm-hmm. unfade out you hear the plain as day. Plain as the nose on your face. Yeah. The the beautiful nose, fucking on nose our faces. on your fucking face. What's interesting though is the the side two idea is something clearly rattling around in, in Flansburg's head because here is a clip from a early live show from that time. Um, I believe this might be yeah, this is from 1992. So check this out. Okay. And this is Flansburg improvising a song called "It's Side Two on stage. Cool. I wonder if it's because he like, you know, it's like they had just put this on Apollo 18 and he's like, oh, I still like this idea. 
Dave was dancing to that. I like it. <laughs> it's, it's really fun, actually. Uh, uh, yeah, side two. A lot, a lot going on with that idea, and I also like it is on so technically side two of, of Apollo eighteen. Yeah, it's really perfect, and also just the way it seems like the perfect song to put at the end of a song and then starting a new song. Cause that's kind of what happens when you like on the cassette, when you yes. switch the sides, it goes to the next side, like a song ends and then a new song begins. And it's, there's so many references to other bands and previous works. Yeah. So we music. Exactly. So we've got this whole, this song is full of genius cassettes and vinyls and rock bands. And it's, it's really, it's really brilliant. I I'm taken back what I said. It's super complex, <laughs> super amazing. Uh, and it's got the feeling. So to me, this is a perfect song headline. Jordan likes the song. I, I love the song. So that was See the Constellation. And let's let's continue this sad thread and go to If I, if I Wasn't Wasn't Shy. If I wasn't shy. If I wasn't shy. I'd burn all the uniforms I'd burn all the ask me buttons I'd burn all the intercoms I'd burn all the time clock cards If, if Flansy wasn't shy Flansburg's not shy Yeah, well, that's actually the first thing I, I wanted to talk from about what I hear Yeah, well, it's funny Well, I, okay You don't strike me as someone who's shy You, I, as far as I've observed you kind of say what you mean to Much people. Appreciated. You're, I've seen you at parties. You're not, you're not too bad at like going up to someone saying, "Hey, how's it going?" That's where the alcohol comes and in. You, <laughs> and you also you perform on stage, all mm. this stuff. I am someone who per, has performed on stage a lot, but mm-hmm. I, uh, and I've been extrovert. I've certainly been very talkative to strangers and stuff. But depending on the situation, I'm super shy. It's mm-hmm. really it's really this weird... Um, I could see that. It's like an equation. It's got to be all the right elements in place for me to clam up and be shy or all the right elements for me to be like, oh, I'm so on top of this. I can talk to everyone. Yeah. Um, I've always been really good one-on-one, uh, except with you, of course. Oh, <laughs> but terrible. I've always, I've always been really good. It's funny, when I interviewed for my... For, for college, the like college interview at SVA, and my dad went with me, mm-hmm. and my uh, my dad was just like, "Wow, you really came alive!" Like mm. talking to the the guy, the, the dean or whatever the hell. Like he's like, "I've never seen you be so." And it's like, I'm really good being a kiss ass. I'm really good to get no, into no. a school. <laughs> I'm really good if I know why I'm somewhere, no. and I'm really good at, on one on one. I was also good when I was doing like OK Cupid dating, because I'm a good one on one er. Mm. But I'm terrible if I'm in with a group of people even if it's like three people or more and I don't know where to come in to start talking. You're not good at holding court, I believe is the No, phrase. yeah, terrible. Um, but I'm also really good on stage. What else are you good at? <laughs> Tell me more. Uh, but I hate 
before that point mm-hmm. uh, when no one knows who I am. But then after that point, when <laughs> they I, don't know afterwards. When every, well, when everyone kind of knows who you are, it's 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 weird. But I'm a little bit more like I'll just go up to this person because they saw me. Perf- it's breaking the ice, uh, you could say. Um, but anyway, so this brings yeah, what, to this... Flansburg. Well, so Flansburg's a performer, yeah, right. and you look at him yelling at an audience and, and being all crazy rock guy. The famous polka, ladies and gentlemen. I'm the polka people in the house tonight. Well, I'm not used to this super personal, see everybody's face in the crowd thing. So if we seem a little bit shy, we hope you understand. That's funny that he says, you know, if you can see people's faces that mm. you're playing to, it is a little weird. I know Linnell has said because he's not wearing his glasses on stage, <laughs> he can't, it's all a big blur and that helps. You know, it also makes everything a big blur. Alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. And you also see him being so on top of TMBG, their, how they, how they're run. And he's kind a good of networker. Almost, yeah. Almost being like their management in a way. Right. But um, maybe he is shy. Well, maybe not. <laughs> we don't see these private things in his life of him possibly being shy. So yeah, I, I don't know. I, I could see, I could see, I know Linnell's shy. <laughs> it's pretty much on record. Mm-hmm. He doesn't interact with fans a lot. The other um, option obviously is that this is like a character song. Right. It's not super autobiographical, you know. Well, it seems like there's a lot that relates to Flans in the lyrics. Yes. So it would suggest like all the stuff about uh, sort of taking down the man yeah. and <laughs> yeah, hating know. work and stuff. Seems I love very that. Uh, I, I, just so, do more of that. Yeah. It's like my favorite topic. I just think it's hilarious it's and probably rela- a good relatable. That it is him. Yeah. Um, though it's funny because, well, let's listen to this. It, it is him, but yeah. in a way it's not him. Oh. If you guys want to snap your fingers along to this next song, this song is called If I Wasn't Shy. I wrote it in an altered state. We're going to do the kinks thing, so the drummer's going to stop, and it'll just be like the thunderous sound of everybody snapping their fingers. So speaking of being drunk, uh, he says (laughs) he might be joking, but Hmm. he says he wrote it in an altered state. Uh, Who knows? Yeah, it's funny. I could kind of see that being like, let's say you smoke some, what is it called? Pot? Dope. I'm the most uptight person on the planet. So, but let's Doobies. Say, yeah. And you're just kind of chilling out. I could see Flansburg kind of lying down on the couch with a guitar being like... Token on some dubs. It's got that kind of... <laughs> thank you, Dave. I could see that being that vibe of like Flansburg just kind of ch- writing this chilled out little song, you know? So yeah, let, let's talk about what you said, Dave, about the bringing down the man... Let's check out the lyrics. I'm always saying we should bring down the man. Yeah, that's a preoccupation of yours. Damn the man. That's what I say. Not to be confused with Dan the man, who's yeah. a cool guy that we know. Yeah, that's what we call him. He's saying he'd burn all the uniforms. Yes. Doesn't like work. <laughs> I mean, I know that when I, we both worked at a movie theater. Yeah, yeah. And did you have to wear a thing? Yeah, it wasn't a uniform. I just had to wear a white button-up shirt. I did have to wear a vest, I believe. Yeah, me too. I had to wear a bow tie. I guess that I didn't have a bow tie. That's dorky. I felt like a super nerd, super dork. I guess that's a uniform. That was my last job with a uniform. I never looked back. Yeah, same here. Um, I'd burn all the ask me buttons. I was trying to find out info about the ask me buttons. I couldn't find anything at all, I, at I, all. I mean, I think that was just like a old school, you know, salesman thing where it's like, ask me about whatever this microwave. 
Yeah, I think Flansburg sees it as, you know, you get the sense that he thinks it's like condescending or something <laughs> or just lame, you know, obnoxious. I also assume it's very like 60s or 70s mm-hmm. Americana. Yeah. I think. I don't do any research. so I'd burn all the intercoms. Yeah. Uh, obviously, after working at an office, I, could, I get that pretty well, uh, the intercom. Uh, you really get sick of hearing, you know, blah, 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 line one, <laughs> blah, 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 you know, that I started, I started to resent this one woman's voice <laughs> at one of my jobs because she would be very bad at intercom usage and there'd be a lot of stumbling and mess ups and she'd always like hit the thing wrong. So you'd, you'd hear it like three times, like, <laughs> <laughs> and I just, you know, and I was just so like hot tempered at this job I hated. And I was like, oh my God, um, I'd <laughs> I'd burn all the time clock cards. I know which we know, I think, from what? The Flintstones opening. <laughs> um, most of what I know about the the working week is from the Flintstones uh, opening. I mean, that's a very, yeah, that's very antiquated. Yeah, time clock cards are weird. I did have to do that. Did you ever have to do that? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's strange. There is something very depressing and oppressive about it. Now it's just the honor system. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, what I like is that well, I think there's a twist coming in this song. Say what? He's a, clearly a like a sociopath <laughs> that we <laughs> that I relate to. I, or I mean, the, you know, you know, what I mean, I'm not being super serious when I, I say that. But I think he's an average Joe with TMBG's humor and Flansburg's humor. Like you'd see him being like, oh, this is from the point of view of like a pyromaniac mm-hmm. or a sick, sick bastard. But at the same time, it's like we'd all like to burn these things when we're at these boring jobs. <laughs> um, I wanted to talk a bit about the music, of course. As usual, as <laughs> usual. Even the music has kind of a very casual piece to it. Yeah, yeah. It reminds it kind of reminds me of Birds Fly a little. Like right. it's that same jazzy chords that you're just kind of plucking away at. Kind of reminded me of Hearing Aid. Hearing Aid, a yeah. A little bit, because yes. it's, it's like that sort of very slow solo, like mm-hmm. not putting your heart into it. Similar, yeah. Similar themes and stuff. Though, yeah. at, though at the, if you really look into it, it, it seems complex to arrange songs with like clarinets and yeah. jazz stuff. Like, I don't know how to do that. I didn't mean the, yeah, the song itself, just the the feeling that they were going for. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, something kind of fun with the clarinet that I noticed is that it, so it's, and and again, I don't know if this is a thematic thing or anything, but so it's it switches place in your headphones. So first it's like in your left mm-hmm. and it's like a low note. It's like, then it goes to the right ear and it's like at the high note, like, and then it goes back to the low note or it's like, interesting. yeah, it's like, it's is it? <laughs> it is. No, to me, it's interesting because you have to really do that. Yeah. Like, that didn't just happen. It's a choice. That's like a choice. Uh, and, and I also love, yeah, it's the, int- the two different guitar sounds to me are very interesting, which is you've got the main riff that and it's like all this room reverb where mm-hmm. you're re- you're hearing more reverb than usual for a guitar. But then it goes right from that to the really, really clean upfront jazz guitar that's doing mm-hmm. these little plucks like so I love I love the use of this. The song is a great use of space. You know, you, you've like got things going around your headphones and it's very stripped down, but it's it's playing a lot with like the idea of of where things are in the mm-hmm. room and that's cool people that's cool if you didn't know it is cool wasn't shy if i wasn't shy i'd steal somebody's cadillac i'd steal anything i like i'd steal Ceremony if I... 
The second verse, uh, very direct lyrics from Flansburg here. Steel Cadillac. We've gone from burning to stealing. We've, <laughs> yeah, that's not as bad, I think. Because when you burn something, it's just gone forever. But stealing, you could at least give something back. <laughs> or someone could find it. I don't know. I'll get back to you on that one. This is interesting. Uh, what do you think if I'd steal all the microphones from all the masters of ceremony? Hmm. What do you make of that? I think it's, uh, you know, a power trip thing again. I don't think he likes people in power. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Masters of ceremony. Well, I'm, and, I'm the master of ceremony, a guy would say. And you'd be like, I don't want to listen to you. So he does he mean like an MC at a party, yeah. like a DJ or whatever? I think he's just using it as a catch-all term of like mm. somebody who, you know, leads leads the way I in think a pompous just, way. Well, I think part of it is that so an MC is very extrovert, right? They're yeah. they're they're get closer than like <laughs> Dave just collapsed yeah. into the chair. An MC, I'm thinking of like a bar mitzvah. That's that's where my brain <laughs> automatically goes for most You're things. You're obsessed with bar mitzvahs. Because um, I didn't have one, I'm telling you. As revealed yeah, in last, last episode. Yeah, last episode. Listen to all our episodes, everyone. There's lots of uh, nuggets. That's where I had my first shot of whiskey. Oh, wow. Rabbi's like, you're a man now. <laughs> I'm like, this is gross. Well, it beats the alternatives that could have been <laughs> from your... <laughs> it sure does. Anyway. Well, I'm not Catholic, you know? <laughs> Masters of ceremony. So what I'm imagining is, is Flansburg's character here seething at this extrovert guy mm. who's like, okay, everyone, now we're going to go onto the dance floor and do this Macarena. thing. Macarena. Yeah, the Macarena. And so he's just like, I love, I think it's really funny. It's funny. I never thought about this a lot, but just the idea that you steal his microphone, it's just like, <laughs> shut up. It's just yeah, like, I a, mean, who wouldn't? It's a funny image. To. But then, Dave, we're going to get to the twist. And this is something that I think makes the song really more meaningful. Yeah. And you've, I remember you telling me this. Yes. Yes. Wasn't shy. I'd ask you if you don't The third verse, it's it's all it's earnest. It's, it's all been a ruse, people. <laughs> a ruse, it's a, um, what it's really all about is that he wants to kiss a girl that he has a crush on, mm -hmm. and the idea is that these other verses are kind of hiding that fact, almost yeah. like a shy person would hide that fact. Like when you're shy and you want to talk to a girl you like, you'll maybe talk about other stuff. He's plucking up the courage. Yes. By burning things down and <laughs> stealing things. Yes. Yeah. Or he's trying to look cool to this girl right. or, or seem cool. This arsonist kleptomaniac. Yeah. Lovable character that I relate to. Is right. That, is that bad? Um, Nothing's bad. But like the humor in what we're doing is like, it's, it's kind of a natural reflection of who we are as people. Like we're just not, I don't think we take ourselves so seriously. I think we're also like a little bit shy of we're a little bit shy about writing about romantic love in a, in an earnest kind of way. Like it just seems a little like too much and we're not like tough guys and we don't want to, we don't want to like bother pretending to be tough guys. But I always thought this was super sweet. And this ties in again to Flansburg's um, little arc on this album, which is that narrow your eyes, this old relationship is done see the constellation, I'm alone, I, I'm lonely. And then if yeah. I wasn't shy and she's actual size, and we're going to talk about hypnosis of ladies too, which ties right. into this whole thing. But, you know, if I wasn't shy, like, oh, there, there is this girl that I like. And how, how do I say this to her? How do I make a move? We've all been there, of course. 
Um, Not me. So yeah, I've always thought this was actually, but with all the references to burning and stealing, um, I actually thought this was one of the more sweet mm. Landsberg songs. It's got a sweetness, though the clarinet does give that little like little mischievous. It, mm-hmm. it has a kind of a, it, it's got a funny and a dark feel to it in a way. The way the way they might be trying often use clarinets, it has a kind of like reprehensible. There is right. kind of like a dark. There's something like whimsically dark about it, but I think at the end of the day, I've always, I've always, I did relate to this song because I had crushes on girls, and and I'd kind of beat around the bush and not really say the thing I want to say, and even it would be even hard to think the the thing I want to think because I'd be too intense, mm. too much of too much longing for these these crushes I had. One thing I liked about this song was the vocal approach is very like deflated. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> especially like the last line. Where he's just like, well, isn't he's just kind of trailing off. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which is like what you would do if it, you were shy. Yes, <laughs> it's a great performance. If I wasn't shy, if I wasn't shy. It's almost a character. I see it as both. I, I see this to me is what I love about songwriting, uh, maybe even more than other art forms, is that you, you a song can really sound personal, but you could throw in things that are not personal and you could mix it all together. And, it's a shield. And yeah. <laughs> it opens people up to like the inner you, you know, like there is a part of Flansburg that wants to burn these things right. down. He, he's pretty anti these things. But at the end of the day, it's it's just, it's the classic story. Boy loves girl. Girl ignores boy or whatever. <laughs> That's my story. So I am not shy to move on nice. and discuss the, not really discuss the next song, which is Turn Around. I was working all night in my office when a man I had recently killed called me up from a phone near my building. So I looked out the window at him. He had the same obsequious manner That was the reason I had him killed So to calm my nerves I sang this song to him over the I feel like the only, the only word for this is just classic. <laughs> classic TMBG. Classic John Linnell. I think after See the Constellation and If I Wasn't Shy, you know, you might be being like, what happened to the weird, <laughs> morbid stuff? Right. And uh, here we go. Uh, Dave, what, what do you think of Turnaround? You think that Skull on the Ground line influenced the uh, album cover for John Henry? Maybe, yeah. I, I love that. I love that sort of thing. Intentional or not, I, I love when a band, or anything really. They're still when, thinking when, about it. Yeah, when there's just a consistent, <laughs> like we talked about the guy in the sky and fucking the motherfucking no sorry Whoa. when we talked about like the guy in the sky for like the two previous songs mm. you know it's just like i love when these things happen or like how apollo 18 as a whole has a lot of um consistency to it yeah as does john henry which i'm excited to talk well, this about this is a creepy one i think yeah well do you like well it's just basic psh, bullshit do you like <laughs> basic hollow question do you do you like don't know my friend people want to know our listeners want to know does dave like Turn around. Uh, yeah, I like this one. Okay. Oh, I like this one. Yeah. You better believe your ass. <laughs> yeah. I like this one. Yeah, I, I've I've had my periods of liking it. Uh, I've had my periods of being like, oh, I'm a little tired of it too. Interesting. In a weird, yeah, I have a vivid memory of being at a concert and they start to play it. And I remember being like, 
not what I was in the mood for right now, which seems crazy because at our last, on our episode where we yeah, talked about say. the concert, that actually blew me away. I had a renewed love for it because Linnell seemed to be so in, it out. into it and he was smiling and having fun. And I was like, yeah, this is, I, I love this now. I think about the lyrics uh, of <laughs> this one a lot. Yeah, when I was in, um, when I was first getting into them, this was one of those early songs where I would like show people <laughs> the lyrics yeah. and be like, look at this. What is this? It's crazy. <laughs> Definitely appealed to my like, weird right. self at the time um, still does. It, it doesn't lose any of its uh, luster. Uh, it's still weird as hell and, and crazy. Um, I, I haven't, I still don't really, I still haven't wrapped my head around it. Yeah, I don't know what it's about. Yeah. Well, I, I have an idea what it's about as a whole, but in mm. terms of the details, I, I, that's a sure. little, that's where I get a little lost. I get lost in the weeds, as they say. This song has a lot of, uh, surprising musical references. Mm -hmm. um, now, I'll put this across. Some of these might be guesses on my part, but I think they're pretty dead on. So I, I wanted to talk about some of that too. I'll allow it. Well, in terms of what the, the song's about, I'll, I'll play this for you. All right. Let's have another song. May I request Turn Around? Absolutely. As a, as a nice representation of your macabre side. Sure. Right. It's a sort of a death affirming song. Right. In that category. Special long distance dedication to all the sickos out there. Death affirming. That's true. Mm. So to me, what what the to put it all out there as a basic um, overview, to me the song is just similar to um, a lot of their songs where he's just they're just like you're going to die <laughs> to the audience. Like, like nothing's going to change my clothes. Yeah, oh, yeah, or even um, Where Your Eyes Don't Go, which I has a similar... I have that in my notes. Yeah, sorry. It has a similar theme. We'll turn around. The idea that it's right behind you. The, yeah. the, the thing is behind you. It's going to get you. Scary. It is scary. and Upsetting. The, and the, but the song's also funny. It's perfect they might be Giants material. Honestly, this song would, would feel appropriate on... First album. Lincoln or, or yeah, first album. Um, <laughs> That's me giving you the double guns. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, you know, they, they, they discuss death in a lot of songs. A good amount on Apollo 18, but this is really... This is really, I feel like, the centerpiece of yeah, death. The big appearance. <laughs> yeah, the big appearance. Um, let's. I'll cut so, to if life affirming is like all the things that make you appreciate your life and feel yeah. good, then death affirming is just reminding you what the ultimate yeah. end, end is. That's, yeah, that's kind of depressing. You have a lot of songs about death. Can you talk a little bit about why you want to write about it so much? I don't know whether I have anything to say in any other format about it, but it is a really good topic for songwriting, I think. Um, and part of it is that it's just so deep and mysterious that it, I never feel like it, it runs out of ways to talk about it. Sure. You know, it's, it's, it's a really, yeah, it's just a really a good, good subject. And I think it, you know, I mean, maybe not everybody wants to hear all that much about it, but I think that if I'm enthusiastic about something, I'm just going to keep going on about it and and uh, and hope that other people want to want to hear about it. And it's not the only, obviously, not the only thing we sing about, but it, no. it, it is a good one. Yeah, I think that's interesting that he says it's such a mysterious, endlessly mysterious mm -hmm. idea that you, why not just keep writing and write? I mean, people, other bands write and write about love and heartbreak and stuff. A lot of horseshit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and it's so turn around to me, it's almost like, okay, so you know, it's like 2001, A Space Odyssey, where like 
it's trying to make you feel what it would be like to encounter an alien presence. Mm -hmm. So it's crazy <laughs> and surreal and, and, conf and confusing. Yeah. I almost think Turnaround is going for a similar thing where it's like, we're going to, I'm going to make the most surreal, confusing scenarios in each verse just to give you a slight sense of what it's like to think about death. Does that, does that work? I think that's as good an explanation as any. Yeah. I, I'll take it. I like it. Uh, you're a smart guy. Oh, no, no. Now you're, now you're going too far. Do you think it's the same mm. person in each <laughs> I do. Verse? I think this guy's having a weird day. Yeah, I kind <laughs> of always saw it that way, too. Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I think so. I, I think he's... I, I like the motif of that someone like sings this to him, you know, it's like he's, he's go he goes through a weird thing and then some sort of a character, I almost think of Twin Peaks, like the Lodge, Black Lodge mm -hmm. beings. There's these weird characters that show up and, and sing the chorus to right. him, almost like a nursery rhyme, right? I, I almost see it as a cautionary tale also. Yeah, don't go around killing people or <laughs> dancing in graveyards. <laughs> well, like... As we mentioned previously, uh, uh, where your eyes don't go, kind of like be aware of what's in your periphery. Yes. Uh, for better or worse. I don't know if line by line even makes sense because it's it's all, as a whole, it's just so surreal. Yeah. Um, I know that as a kid, I was very impressed by the use of the word obsequious in a song <laughs> sure. because it wasn't a word I knew I had ever heard of. Uh, and I still hear it rarely. But when I do hear it, I always think of turn around. Oh, yeah, of course. Which is silly, but it's, it's like true. when I hear uh, rectilinear, I always think of bad religion. <laughs> really, bad religion. I mean, that's they yeah, they a lot of that stuff in their lyrics. I think, yeah, I think they top them. Yeah. Well, so much so that there used to be like uh, I think an online thing or maybe it's just something circulated around the fans. Uh, the bad religion dictionary. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I remember I had to look up what obsequious means, or it, yeah. or it was a question on the unofficial fan FAQ yeah. for TMBG fans. It kind of reminds me of if I wasn't shy in a tone way, where he's he's up all night in his office and he's in yeah. a bad mood, clearly, <laughs> or <laughs> um, a man I had recently killed. Uh, Not off to a good start. No. Yeah. So it's it's obviously like this fella is are these things happening? Are these things imaginary? None of that really matters. I think I I yeah. I, I take it on face value. These are things that happen sure. in, in the song. It could also easily be metaphor too. Yeah. And he's just like imagining that this guy, you know. Yes. Well, like this the guy uh, that telltale heart. <laughs> right. Like or yeah, just like a fantasy of wanting to do this to this annoying. Kiss ass yeah. guy, you know. Yeah, the reason he killed him was because he was obsequious, obsequious. which means I guess we should define it. And Dave, I'll let you do Just it. Just like too eager, um, eager to please, yeah. loyal. I think it said it means a sycophant. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because a bootlicking toady. <laughs> Whoa, it's funny coming from Linnell because I wonder if there's a hint of. Uh, animosity towards the fans or something, <laughs> you know, like he's, it must be weird to be, I think, I think of Linnell as like a very normal person. Like he doesn't really like fame, I think, um, based on just it's things I've read and Likes and his coffee and his yeah. bacon, egg and cheese <laughs> and, in the morning. And just like to have all these fans worshiping you and maybe it's, maybe, yeah. it, and this is the first time I'm thinking this, by the way, maybe it's a turnoff and, and he's thinking that and maybe that inspired the, the idea in the song because mm. you could have, you could want to kill someone for a lot of different reasons, as we, me, and you discuss all the time. Oh, sure. How um, I would have done it. Well, actually, so it's funny. I was if little, I did it, <laughs> I was a little wrong. He sings this song to him to him over the phone. So this isn't a character singing turnaround chorus to him. This is 
the narrator singing yeah. it to the guy, which is funny because it's like a threat. Right. He's like, I kill, I'll kill you again. I did it once before. Like, look, look, watch out, buddy. Turn around, turn around. There's a thing there that can be found. Turn around, turn around. It's a human skull on the ground. So turn around is has the potential to be another one of those Linnell masterpieces of crazy references to pop, pop music uh-huh. over the years. Um, but some of these I'm not so sure about. So a lot of fans... That's fine. We're all human. A lot of fans... I'm trying my best. A lot <laughs> of fans um, thought that it might be a reference to the song Turn Around by Harry Belafonte mm-hmm. and that it might be kind of a twisted play on it. So let's listen to that. Okay. Let's listen to that. Let's listen to that. Where are you going, my little one, little one? Where are you going, my baby, my own? Turn around and you're two, turn around and you're four, turn around and you're a young girl going out of the door. Turn it's like nanobots. <laughs> So everything's they might be giants. Yeah. So uh, it, it's true. It is the same uh, title. So that's that's significant. And the idea behind his song is just how fast time passes, which is true uh, for especially as you get older. It seems to go faster. Yep. Um, so he's saying, turn around and your children grow up and life pass. It's like that Mr. Show sketch. Do you remember when the mustard A&A's <laughs> commercial <laughs> where like yeah. Bob, Bob Odenkirk's too busy spreading stuff on his sandwich <laughs> yeah. and he, he loses track of his family. And then it, it ends with like his daughter, well, his daughter graduates from college. And then she's like an old woman and she's like, bye, dad, I'm dying. <laughs> and he's like, not now, dear. <laughs> Cats in the cradle. So that's, that's, well, that's what, and and the idea I could see Linnell is referencing this song as like a messed up version, like oh turn around and like death is right there, right. and and, and messed and, up stuff. Happens. And obviously there's all these funny weird lyrics. Um, so we don't I, we don't know. Well, Dave might know, but he's not telling me. I never will if it's a reference, but it might be. Um, there's something that my girlfriend Kristen, who you know from our the one episode with with our significant others. Mm-hmm. Um, she had a, a brilliant uh, observation. Whoa, okay, calm down there, Chief. <laughs> She's the best. She had a great, um, interesting possible reference point for Turnaround that it might be a reference to Hazy Shade of Winter by Simon and Garfunkel. And if you listen to the, the, last, uh, the bit, last bit of that song, mm-hmm. see if you can catch it. I look around, he's a brown now, and the sky. Look around, there's a patch of snow on the ground. Really is a sound alike to turn around, there's a human skull on the Ooh. ground. And I think she's right. I, Could I be. it's so it goes so perfectly. Could Even be. the sound of the words sound sounds similar. 
Um, I think that's pretty brilliant uh, of Linnell and my girlfriend. Wow. Um, we're going to credit her as much as I can so she because she keeps mentioning it. Yeah. Keep out of that doghouse. Yeah. I love <laughs> I love when my whole apartment is a doghouse. I uh, love it because we have a dog. Um, I love when Linnell does this sort of thing. I, it's classic. This one's a little more sneaky than, than the others, I'd almost say. And that's not the last musical reference, but we'll get to that in later, a little bit later in the discussion. So the, the Simon and Garfunkel song is also kind of about time passing really fast. You know, yeah, we get it. It's, it says seasons change. You're uh, deep. Weaving time in a tapestry. Um, funny how my memory skips while looking over manuscripts of unpublished rhyme. Let's bring in back to uh, which describes how you're feeling. Um, drinking mm. my vodka and lime. I look around. Leaves are brown now and the sky. So... Linnell might be playing on both these songs and talking about like, oh, you think that time passes fast. What about looking around and it's your like skull looking back at you or whatever. Right. Right. Um, let's talk about the, well, we should talk about the music a bit, which is strangely more sparse than I remember it in my head. That first verse, it's just accordion and bass and drums and obviously his vocal. Mm-hmm. Um, I like that. I like the heavy accordion, uh, you know, amount on this song. There is one odd quote from Linnell that he said that I don't understand <laughs> about the songwriting for Turnaround, and I'll just read it because, you know, it's it's worth knowing. But he said, we have the song called Turnaround, and it sounds sort of odd, but I just sang these melodies into my sampler and had each key triggering a different two or three note melody, and I just messed around with it. Does that mean he wrote the melody by, like, singing into a keyboard and then or a sampler and then like playing different, cause you could see how the melody kind of goes like, it repeats itself, but mm-hmm. like higher up, like Yeah, so it's, an, it's a weird way to write a song. Um, so that's interesting. Wow, yeah, almost leaving it up to chance. Yeah, 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 exactly. Oh. Wow. I also love in the first chorus, you know, You've really got, to me, the, the reason I said this is like a classic They Might Be Giant song is you've got like Linnell on accordion, Flansburg doing a line uh, of the guitar. <laughs> right. You know, it's like a leading. Yeah, like. Dun, 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 dun. Melody. Like all those great, like early TMBG songs where right. he, he did that. And he does that sometimes now, but I always associate that with the, the classic sound of They Might Be Giants, which is Flansburg not doing rhythm guitar, but doing little um, riffs and melodies mm-hmm. on his guitar. Yep. Human skull on the ground, turn around. I was out by myself in the graveyard. I was doing an interpretive dance when I felt something happy and pointed strike me in the back of my neck. And then the ghost of my dance instructor pushed me down into an open grave. And as dirt rained down, she played a xylophone and sang me this song. Turn around. So second verse really brings it home. That this yeah. is a death song. Um, I've always, I've always had very strong imagery for this song. I, I kind of have my own little, little movie in my head. Uh, oh. <laughs> When I hear it, um, what do you, what do you think of the second verse? Well, first of all, let me get this out of the way. I always thought he said when I felt something happy and pointed, <laughs> uh, which makes it a lot worse. I think mm. the uh, like the pickaxe going into his neck. <laughs> yeah, I always imagine it was like a a, a tombstone. 
you know, mm-hmm. something like that, or like the cross or something on top of a grave or whatever. Right. I don't know, but really, I don't think it matters. That's the other thing about the lyrics of this song. Why I don't know if line by line makes sense because, like, I'm not sure the details matter so it's much the as feeling, bro. The, yeah, the overall thing, uh, as David Lynch says, look at the donut, not the hole. Or is it the other way around? <laughs> no. Um, the idea of just looking at the big picture and don't don't get don't get lost in the in the void of of the details, right? Right. The point is something uh, hurt him. Yeah, but I, I mean, there's just but I do love like the story there, the ghost of his Dan. I mean, again, so the first verse has someone who came back from the grave. Right. The second verse has someone who came back from the grave. <laughs> Um, so maybe death isn't as final as he's as the song might make huh. you think, right? Yeah. There's hope yet. Yes. <laughs> By the way, I don't think xylophone is a arbitrary choice. Um, really? I was thinking about this today. You know, like in old cartoons, <laughs> the, the skeleton playing their yeah, bones yeah. like a xylophone? Yeah, yeah. And they reference yeah. old cartoons a lot in, yeah, in their so. stuff. Oh, I, I totally agree. I, I never thought of that, but I agree right now. Me either till today. Yeah, and I, I just love the, there's just uh, all this imagery, the graveyard imagery, dirt raining down open, <laughs> into the open grave. Yeah, being buried alive is one of my, I think that's what, that's like a, if I see that in a movie. Top five erotic <laughs> fantasy. Yeah. Um, along with being, along with hanging, being buried Not alive great. is a particularly disturbing imagery for think, me uh, in like a horror movie or something. Drowning's bad. Yeah. It's a bad one. I hear that's very But it's uh, like drowning, but bad. it's dirt instead of water. Right. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yep. We're yep. <laughs> <laughs> just going to be like two old guys on a porch. I mean, like drowning's <laughs> like dirt. Drowning's bad too. Yep. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so here, here the ghost of the dance instructor. And I, I remember fans having some, they had some interpretation of who that was. I remember mm-hmm. people thought it was- Harry Belafonte. Yeah, like Jim Morrison. Or I remember these various theories, like, oh, who's a dance instructor? That, again, Liza Minnelli. I don't know if that's if that matters. Um, I, I, I don't know. I genuinely don't know. So she sings the song to him, turn around. And it makes sense because if she's pushing him into a grave and killing him. So in the first verse, he's threatening the person he killed, saying, I'm going to kill you again, maybe. That's what he's threatening. Yes. The second verse, she's sort of being like- I'm going to kill you right now. Turn around. There's a skull. Um, bad week. Bad week. I, I think it's one day. Um, <laughs> that's like my theory about the Simpsons is that it's all in one year. Cause that's all that makes sense. Right. Wow. And that the last episode is going to be like, you know, that was a crazy year. <laughs> They've, uh, celebrated multiple Christmases and multiple birthdays too. I know. I always wonder so. when it's like Bart's birthday, is he turning 10 or 11? Uh, we don't talk about that. I don't know. We don't talk about that. Dave's in the mob now. <laughs> so to, to bring it to the music a bit, I love that the, the guitar that Flansburg is riffing on in the chorus, that then he plays chords on it mm-hmm. in the court in the verse <laughs> in the verses sorry yeah. um which is interesting is it's like usually i don't know you often do different guitar tones for the different requirements needed but then a th- another guitar comes in on the left side when it goes yeah uh, at the end <laughs> sorry at the end of that one verse and i also wanted to highlight the bass playing yeah, I like here the bass yeah it. it's a nice uh run nice climbing bass it's taking a walk yeah it's climbing nice walking bass line it makes sense for the song i think i like the drums a lot too there's a nice little shuffle beat yes i think yes i, I think agree that's what that's called yeah it's it's it's, it's a great it's funny it, it's it's got these elements but at the same time like when like we were talking about the live version of it the album version has this kind of dead feel to me though hmm. <laughs> it is kind of just like a it, it is a little more especially Lanell's vocals he's not projecting very much he's kind of doing a calm 
you know, it's he's kind of like doing a wry little like sl- well, I think he's sly, a story. <laughs> wry and sly vocals. Yeah. This is telling a story. The live version is like a performance. Yeah, it's more about the music in a way. And then we've got the last verse, which uh, is one of my favorite lyrical moments in all They Might Be Giants. Terrifying. Because it's terrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this is genius uh, songwriting. If you want to know what... What does it for me? It's surreal nightmare imagery that that really works. Like it actually captures, you know, that's why I love, like I always mention David Lynch because there are moments where I'm like that, how did that, how did he think of that? Mm -hmm. Like in in Twin Peaks, there's the red room, but the first, I I think a lot of people maybe forget, like one of the first things you see in the red room is that the little man is shaking. I never (laughs) forgot. (laughs) It's really fucking scary because it's, there's no explanation. It's just, it's just scary and weird. Yeah. So in the the last verse, we've got, um, he's, he's being irresponsible as he says, uh, on the train, waving his arms and, It's just so weird to describe. And the engineer turns around, and he's obviously some sort of monster. Well, yeah, what? Yeah, so what do you picture? That's sort of what I I picture kind of a ghostly, abstract face. Um, I don't know what other people picture. Um, I I honestly just sort of, I almost imagine like a child's drawing of a a doodle. Baba (laughs) Duke. Yeah, in a way, exactly. Um, And he sings the chorus, the last chorus. And it's it's even more ominous coming from this person, right? Um, but I love I love the, the there's a lot of funny lines too because they're like we thought would find us highly amusing. <laughs> it's like oh, wouldn't the engineer like that we're sticking our arms out of the train? <laughs> like why would they think that? It's also very dreamlike. Uh, yeah, it reminds really. me of Token Back to Brooklyn. Yes, yes, one of my faves. Dream logic. Yeah, we were waving our arms out the. It's now it's suddenly a bunch of people. Like now it's not just the narrator, it's him. And I'm like, what if it's like the two people from the previous verses? What if they joined him? Hey, could be. Right? I think it might be. And now they're like a group. And speaking of a group, and then we've got the background vocals, which is like a really specific reference. And um, we're going to have me just say what Linnell said, (laughs) because that's all I have. We're going to have you. So what Linnell said is, so the, in terms of the backing vocals that, that are a sing along with him, he goes, that was supposed to sound like the modern airs, the vocal group that sang with the Glenn Miller orchestra, like in Chattanooga choo choo, not like the chipmunks. It's mm-hmm. all me singing. We sped up the tape for half of them for the notes I couldn't reach. I think you can definitely hear that. But let's listen to Chattanooga choo choo. Cause this okay. is, this is a light bulb moment for me. Or I was like, Oh my God, this is what turnaround is based on. <laughs> and so let, let's listen. I'm going to kind of go forward a bit in the song when the real choo-chooing starts. Step aside, partner, it's my day. Bend an ear and listen to my version of a really solid Tennessee excursion. Pardon me, boy. Is that the Chattanooga choo-choo? Yes, yes. Track 29. Boy, you can give me a shine. Can you afford to board Chattanooga Choo Choo? I got my fare. And just a trifle to spare. You leave the fence. Yeah, old songs are about nothing. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> right, well, you get the idea. So <laughs> what I love... This is like, you know, it's kind of a novelty song and Linnell is, Linnell is taking this, you know, he's, he's making fun of 
the the train imagery is what I'm I grapple onto here, which is that um he's taking this silly song about a choo-choo train that's sung by this band, this group of musicians that have kind of let's kind of a creepy sound in my eyes, probably in Linnell's too. Yeah. There's something so Mostly. rehearsed about it. It just sounds kind of like dead sounding. I, I was talking to our friend Daniel about recently, like about Brian Wilson's current backup singers mm. in his live stuff. And, and not just current, but I, I, I had this, uh, I had this observation like 10, 15 years ago. I was watching, he did a performance of Smile live and he's got these kind of like young, hot backup singers mm. and and when you compare it to the Beach Boys doing the backup harmonies or front harmonies, really, they just have this dead soulless feel. Hmm. Like it's just like, you know, just like smile. Like it had this kind of like Disney Channel feel to it. Yeah. And I was kind of interested, like what makes it sound like that? Like what are they doing? They're doing the notes right, you know, but it's like, is it too right? It's like too perfect. And there's something kind of weird about it. There's too much happiness in their souls. <laughs> yeah. They haven't been uh, ground down by the world. Yeah. So Chattanooga Choo Choo and, and Linnell's, it's, it's sort of like the evil hell version of Chattanooga Choo Choo, right? It's like the Shining it's Hotel. Like a, yeah. We were waving our arms out the window of a fast-moving passenger train Acting in an irresponsible fashion Until the engineer who's back at the turn and who we thought would find us highly amusing Quickly swiveled his head around And his face, which was a paper-white mask of evil Sang us this song Turn around, round, turn around round. There's a thing there that can There's be Yeah, the, the this song really explodes in the you know in a way in the final verse. There's also this great like saxophone and like one of and you're like one of your ears is really low. That uh, sort of like I said the classic TMBG sax sound where it's like the really low Barry sax number three or something. Honestly, hearing that one song Chattanooga Choo Choo, <laughs> it's funny to say. It's not funny to hear. I it really made me aware of how funny Turnaround is. Even yeah. though it's also a scary song, but just just that. I don't know, the, the TMBG twisted version of reality is something that is something I, I love about the band. There um, is a joy in it. Yeah. You know, just going like, skull, ground. <laughs> like it's just, there's something, when the more, it's a thing where the more you think about it, the better it gets. That's what I'd say about turnaround and, and that kind of thing that they do. I concur. Turn around. It's a human skull on it's the So we're almost done with Apollo 18. Our next episode is going to finish the album with... Uh, with flying colors. With, yeah, three songs left, but one of those songs is kind of a big deal. One of those songs is 40 songs. Yes, and we're, In of course, one. talking about Hypnotist of Ladies. Yeah. Stay tuned for that. This has been Don't Let's Start, a podcast about They Might Be Giants. We are your pals, Jordan and Dave Fox. Well, that sounded like I have the same last name as you. Jordan Cooper and, and Dave Fox. Dave Fox over here. And okay, here's all the stuff, guys. Email us, don't let's start podcast at gmail.com. What do you think of these Apollo 18 songs? Do you like them? <laughs> Our Twitter is at Don't Let's Pod. I'm gonna post some fun stuff, and you can also talk to me on there if you want. And if you want to support the show, you can put your money where your mouth is <laughs> at 
anchor.fm slash don't let start. That is our home base. You've got options there, and we thank every one of you who, who actually does that. We've also got a, a fun YouTube page that I, I would love people to check out. It's at youtube.com slash don't let start. Pretty simple, right? So thank you for listening to another episode. You're doing God's work, everyone. And Dave, you look like you want to ask me something. I'd ask you, if you don't mind, to kiss you a hundred times. Granted. Dennis says we gotta go. Gotta go to Idaho. But we can't go surfing because it's 20 below. Oh, oh, oh. Hanging out in 100B Watching Get Smart on TV Thinking about you and me And you and me Oh, oh, oh Got no place to go And it, it may sound funny But it's true Watching Get Smart on TV Thinking about you and me Thinking about you and me And you and me Oh, 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 oh We got nowhere to go And it, it may sound funny But it's true Merry Christmas, everybody. God bless you, Joey.